Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com. Um, I have a question um, for Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. Um, on a job, I've been subjugated to white harassment, which involved me and another white woman. I go by a code of conduct when it comes to dealing with white folks. And uh, I minimize my contact with them. I don't speak to them. And the company that I work for does service for the hotel that she just so happened to um, work for. And... um when she tried to speak to me, um, I would ignore her and I wouldn't talk to her or anything. And I would just, um, grab the papers and go on with my day. And I've noticed that, you know, there are consequences when it comes to ignoring white women on the job. And, um, it got, I got, um, news from the um, VP of the hotel that they had, um, contacted my manager saying that um, I was harassing her because I was ignoring her. I wasn't um, following proper job procedures or anything like that. And what I've noticed is that um, when I was outside of my booth, she tried to come speak to me again, and I just kept ignoring her. I wasn't talking to her or anything like that. And um, Her boyfriend her boyfriend said, hey, black effer, like, hey, black mother effer, like, you know, I think that was his way of trying to get my attention. So I laughed, and I continued on ignoring him, and um, also her. And I noticed how he went on the inside of the hotel and tried to pick a fight with my black coworker, who was just so happened to be African at the front desk. So they called security on him. And um, she got frustrated and she told me, well, you should be happy a woman of my status is trying to speak to you anyway. Um, 
I have a question. Um, is there anything that I did wrong? Is there another way I should have handled the situation? Um, do you have any um, input on it? I would just suggest, and, and correct me if I didn't hear you totally. Do you see, I think that start out in terms of attempting to be courteous and respectful at all times, you know, to the extent it's that... It's hard, though. It's very uh, hard, you know. See, sometimes white females want to insist that a black male give them attention. And they are, and I'm not saying give the female any attention beyond being professional and polite. Uh, do, do you see what I'm saying? And yeah. you may have to give, uh, you know, sit down with your manager and say uh, the person is being demanding or that I relate to them. Are there guidelines that you would like to give me about how I can conduct myself in a professional way? Do you see, I, I, I don't date people on the job if that is what the issue is. But sometimes they can be very provoking. I had a situation where a young black man um, in Boston, he was working in a, Senator Kennedy's office, and a white female would constantly come by his desk and touch him. And he said, Dr. Welsing, how should I handle it? And I said, you can say that, you know, really this is sexual harassment. And her response was, who are you going to tell? Who will they believe, you or me? Do you see what I'm saying? So that whole thing of trying to, whether she's trying to get her white boyfriend to have a response, that I will protect you from this black monster, you see. But I would start out saying in the workplace, you know, try to have uh, conduct that is professional in relationship to other co-workers. In other words, you may have an idea about what racism, white supremacy is, but in terms of your performing in your work setting, you know, so then I'm going to be rude and disrespectful. I would say uh, don't use that approach if you can, you know, be polite and courteous, but uh, that doesn't mean, you know, laughing and grinning and, uh, you know, well, don't you date? Don't, you know, a number of black males have said, white females have said to them, oh, you're not interested in white females? Or don't you date white females? Uh, do you see where the person is honest and they might answer, no, I do not. Thank you very much. No, I do not. Do you see? But if somebody is attempting to be provocative, you may have to resort to uh, speaking to a supervisor. Uh, please tell me how... Uh, I can handle this situation. You see, I am being polite 
and courteous in doing my job in relationship to this person. But I I would prefer to not have all of this extra attention. Does that make any sense to you? That makes perfect sense. Um, I also want to add is that I completely, I mean, I completely appreciate all the things that you've done throughout the years, and I consider you Neely Fuller's, Mr. Neely Fuller's partner in justice. And um, I just want, I just appreciate everything that you've done. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, September 1, 2016. So I have been told this is our weekly forum, Workplace Racism. Feel free, dial in. Uh, This is an exchange of views. Uh, If you have had some triumphs on the job, meaning you have figured out some things to do, things to say, things not to do, things not to say, that minimize problem, neutralize racist activity on the job, definitely chime in, share your experience. If you've had difficulties or problems, certainly chime in. We can uh, offer suggestions, thoughts on on what's happening and uh, something hopefully that might help alleviate the situation. Uh, And if you have observations, if you are just witnessing things that are happening on the job that are of note that relate directly, indirectly, to the system of racism, white supremacy, certainly dial in and share that as well. Always encourage, be looking at your policy and procedure that pops up so frequently with regards to workplace racism. If you uh, and I have encouraged, take time and you should do it like before there is a problem. Mr. Edward Williams, uh, who wrote the book that deals with racism on the job, how to support and defend the United States Constitution for victims of racism. He's been a guest on this program repeatedly, even called in for our workplace racism segment uh, just in the past few weeks. Uh, But he always says that his book is not for victims of racism to wait and read once the poo has hit the fan. You should read the book in advance so that you can minimize those problems happening to begin with. Same thing with policy and procedure. Uh, I would read it immediately as soon as you start on the on your job. Uh, if you've been there a while and you haven't read it or you forgot it, maybe you've been working there a few years and you know you went through it when you originally started, had your training and everything, go back through it. And I know sometimes uh, those policies and procedures, regulations and what have you, your manual for your job, it can be uh, kind of thick sometimes. You can break it up. You don't have to read the whole thing in one day. I've said you can just take 10, 15 minutes each evening. 10, 15 minutes, you sit down, you read a little bit, read your section, you stop. You can break this up over, you know, a week, two weeks uh, time period, go through the whole thing. You can highlight, make notes uh, of things that are pertinent to you. And I suspect there might be some things that you notice, hey, this is not being enforced. I see this rule being violated on a regular basis. That's the sort of thing you can make note of. It might be of use to you. Uh, in the immediate future, and it might be of some use way down the road and seeing that it seems like policy and procedure is not being forced in a uniform manner. And you can just have your dates and times where you've seen 
this is, you know, rule regulation number 13.3-A is not being enforced. And I have the dates and times where this was not done, this was not done, this was not done. And now people are coming to make an issue of this with me. Why is it that this policy is not being enforced equally? across the board, getting to the Constitution. Uh, but just that's something I think is very, very important. You might also even see things in there that don't make sense, because I know that was the experience for me, even when I was super ignorant about racism and everything else, just flipping through policy and procedures. Some of it did not make sense. And I would go ask other people, and they would say the same thing. Sometimes it could just be that it's uh, whoever wrote the policy and procedure did a poor job uh, of writing it out. And sometimes they absolutely do have rules that don't make sense. And sometimes that is done purposely. So it can be confusing. So again, they have discretion about how they want to enforce the rules and the rules can be left up to ambiguous interpretation, which generally is not going to work out well in your favor. With that, the number to dial 641 715 Four zero. The code is five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. The number again six four one seven one five three six four zero. The code is five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, we are still waiting on TuneIn to do their job and update the feed at their station. I did make the submission uh, for iTunes. Our archives are already at iTunes. We can go there and download them. Uh, this upload uh, would make the live stream available at iTunes as well. So you could listen to our live content on iTunes also. So hopefully we can make that happen and I'll update folks uh, as that progresses but in the meantime we are available at blacktalkradionetwork.com the address is linked on our Facebook page uh, on our Twitter feed uh, you can just go uh, right to the cows page at Black Talk Radio Network and it's autoplay is on so you will start hearing the live content as soon as you go to our page if you have any problems, confusion, difficulties feel free to drop us an email until justice at gmail.com Always grand to hear Dr. Welsing's voice at the beginning. That was from her last visit to the cows, her 31st visit to the cows, where she addressed the problem I think we spent a good bit of time on last week. I think she had some logical input there as well. Uh, quick things I'll get to, uh, and then we'll get to the folks who dialed in uh, who had uh, things they would like to share. Uh, this report right at the end of last week down in Florida from the Daytona Times. Huger Sioux City alleges discrimination. I think they mean racism, white supremacy. Uh, when Thomas Huger applied for a job as the city of Daytona Beach's deputy public works director last year, he was armed with a master of business administration graduate degree, numerous certifications and excellent performance evaluations and reviews. The current facilities construction and maintenance manager who has a 10 year work history with the city was turned down for the job at the time. Huger, a former U S Marine was 63. The position went to David Waller, a 39-year-old white male, a lawsuit states, was less qualified, had less work experience than Huger, and has less education. Waller has a bachelor's degree and worked for the city of Vivido as an operations manager before being hired by the city of Daytona Beach. After he was turned down for the job last year, Huger filed a claim against the city with the Equal Opportunity, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC, citing racial and age. 
bias. This month, Huger filed a lawsuit against the city and Volusia County Circuit Court. According to the lawsuit, the city has actual and constructive knowledge of discrimination within its rank, ranks and workforce that has permitted that it has permitted to ensue and has engaged in a pattern of discrimination, I would say white supremacy, with its hiring and practices. The lawsuit further states the city has retaliated against Hunger Huger by isolating him, giving him a poor evaluation, subjecting him to ridicule publicly, humiliating him, harassing him, undermining his supervisory authority rightfully entitled to him by his job title and position and attempting to create a work overload or performance evaluation. He is demanding a jury trial. They go on to have lots of statistics that show major discrepancies in the amount of compensation salary that the non-white workers make for the city of Daytona uh, in comparison to the salaries of white employers and they show a major discrepancy in the lack of non-white employees that they have relative to the uh, population of non-white people in the city of Daytona. I'm skipping down a little bit because they have, he has a white woman who's speaking up for him. I had a little audio segment at the beginning with Mr. Fuller talking about workplace racism and how you cannot accuse any white individual of being racist. Uh, you need a white person to back that to say, yes, I think such and such is a racist. Uh, but he has a white person who is saying, yes, I also think that they are practicing racism in this work environment. Uh, he has a white woman in this case who is speaking up and saying uh, that they are also practicing racism, white supremacy in this workplace. Uh, so this white woman, uh, let's see, her name is Wiles. Last name is Wiles. I'm just trying to see if they had her uh, first name here. Sonia Wiles. Sonia Wiles is a white woman. So it says uh, Sonia Wiles has also alleged that a white male supervisor and panel member had made racist comments. In stating that racism was a reason, Huger didn't get the job. Huger's lawsuit cited the panel member had stated that he was involved in the Ku Klux Klan when he was a young man, that he was scared of all the blacks around Bethune-Cookman College, HBCU, that he would never bring his family to live in the city of Daytona Beach, and that he had been overheard using the word nigger. The lawsuit includes that Wiles was fired after she objected that there were racist motivations for failing to promote Huger. I will stop there. You can check this out uh, online. But there are tons of these types of reports on a daily basis worldwide. This sort of thing happening on the job all the time. Why you should never be surprised. Why you should be documenting. Familiar with your policy and procedure. Observant. Uh, so that you can be prepared, not stunned, not surprised, not caught off guard if this sort of thing should happen on your job. Uh, we had folks who wrote in this week as well. Again, if you want to write in during the program, if you're unable to participate live via the phone, feel free to drop an email and we can read your commentary uh, on the air anonymously if you like. And then people can you know, give their thoughts, observations, what have you. Uh, so first person wrote in. I've been listening to the program for a few months now, and it has been a tremendous help to my understanding of racism, white supremacy. I had a question regarding the last episode of Workplace Racism. It was mentioned that it would be a good idea to record conversations with suspected racists if a victim feels they might be in danger. To my knowledge, recording a conversation without the consent 
of the person being recorded is illegal. So would this recording ever be presented as any evidence of mistreatment or is it just used in order to collect accurate information that can be written down? Uh, great question. I think Mr. Scotty Reed, founder of the Black Talk Radio Network, I think he's spoken to this before. Uh, certainly, depending on your state, I know it varies uh, state by state. You have to have uh, consent of the individuals that are present to record a conversation. I would recommend if you want to take notes just so that you can have things accurate. Uh, if you want to record and it's just for you, this is not going to be something that's shared uh, with anybody or anything like that. You're not going to post this content on YouTube or anything. Uh, just if you want to have an accurate record, uh, you can ask. I have uh, given that suggestion out before if you're having a meeting uh, with someone, particularly if there has been a problem with things are said in meetings. If you're having a conversation with a coworker, manager, supervisor, whatever it is, and there tends to be a problem of things not being remembered uh, or there is some sort of dispute about exactly what was said, you can just make a, a request that we have this recorded and everybody will get a copy and that will eliminate all confusion. We will have a uh, accurate, pristine record of our conversation as a reference. You can ask uh, if it's something where people are making statements and that sort of thing. Uh, I say, hey, if you uh, feel that it would be in your best interest just so that you can have a record for yourself that this did happen, I would say record. I also know that I have seen enough cases over the years where there has been an allegation of racism, white supremacy being practiced in the workplace. And someone did come out with a recording. In fact, even beyond racism, just any form of mistreatment where a person said that they were being mistreated on the job and they ended up just recording the conversation. And that did end up becoming important. And that did end up helping their case, even though they did not notify anyone else present that they were recording. So I would certainly say use your best judgment. If you think it would be best to ask, and I, hey, that's always, I don't think there's anything incorrect about asking. Uh, if you can go ahead and record, uh, if it's a meeting or something taking place and you want to have a record, great. But if you are being subjected to abuse, verbal abuse, if they're saying things, that sort of thing, and you want to make sure that you have a record of this happening, I can and have seen where that has been helpful, even if the person did not have consent of everyone present to record document that that was indeed taking place so i definitely think that's important uh great question uh something to think about but i still would suggest it can be very very helpful uh to have some sort of documentation recorded documentation of things that are happening particularly if you're being verbally mistreated on the job uh next thing a uh, person wrote in i'm writing to see if you can help me what would you write in a resignation letter at a place where you are leaving workplace. Would you include specifics or just be as private as possible about your whereabouts? This is the workplace where Dr. Rasayan told me it's full of macro aggressions and the retired firefighter said it was a highly toxic environment. I'm unsure if I should say I'm leaving to pursue further studies, uh, etc. And honestly, I'm leaving to attend residency this fall, but I don't know if I should reveal all that besides this workplace never promoted me past administrative assistant type work, even with my doctorate degree, I had to teach at an evening college to supplement my income. My general policy, regardless, even if I have been treated 
wonderfully in a workplace is I do not unnecessarily divulge information. Um, these are not, you know, my brothers and sisters. It's not my family uh, at work. Uh, I don't think that they need to know every tidbit and detail about what your future plans are. So I would try to keep it as generic as possible uh, in the resignation letter. If you're pursuing uh, for if you have further academic pursuits, you can leave it at that or however you want to phrase it. You know, I'm going to be continuing my education uh, and my coursework is is going to consume uh, a great deal of my time and energy. Therefore, I'm, you know, moving on, whatever. Uh, but I would not give them, you know, an itemized detail of a lot of information. And uh, I've had other people ask about this as well. I would be prepared, particularly if this is a situation where you are resigning, you're not like quitting and, you know, leaving a trail of dust as you storm out of the door. If you're leaving and you're doing the two week notice thing, so you're going to be hanging out there for a period of time before you actually exit. I would already have in mind uh, when people come around and they start trying to pilfer you for information where are you going? What's your job going to be? Are you moving? Are you staying in town with all those questions? I would already have that in mind. I would try to go through the types of questions. If you've been around these people and you know how, you know, what kind of snoops you work with, you've heard other people leave. So you know the types of questions that they tend to ask and the type of business that they want to know. Have that in mind and kind of already go through how you're going to respond to those questions, what information you're going to reveal, what you are not going to reveal. If you know this is the type of environment where they tend to do a lot of goofiness, like if somebody leaves and it's, oh, we got to have a party now. It's shingding time. And, you know, we want to get together and all already have in mind how you want to deal with all that. Uh, if you know I have no interest in doing a party, I would make that clear. If this is an environment where they do that sort of thing. I don't want any parties or anything like that. It's been a wonderful uh, work experience, learning experience. I'm glad to have the opportunity to have met all of you all, and hopefully we will have further contact in the future. But, you know, let's just stay professional and get things done. I'm, I'm here to work uh, my last, you know, however long I'm going to be here. So let's get back to the grindstone. We got more to do and just keep it, keep it going in that manner. But I would already have all of that in mind uh, for the last few days that you're going to be on that job uh, so that you can better handle everything that's going to pop up uh, in your last days being there. And I would keep in mind, as I've stated consistently, uh, part of that Voltron effect, uh, racists, they do talk on the job. So even as you're leaving, I would keep that in mind because I have seen where people try to sabotage you as you move forward uh, in your career, finding where you're going to go next and talking to the people uh, that work there, uh, talking to other potential future employees, uh, employers, excuse me. Uh, I would make every effort to just keep that in mind so you're not giving them any uh, ammunition. Just keep things businesslike, keep things cordial, courteous, do your work the last, you know, however long you're going to be there, and then, whoop, out the door. That would be my recommendation. With that, we'll get to the folks who dialed in. If you have uh, commentary, observations uh, on the tidbits that you heard from some of the other listeners, that is always fine. If you have your own incidents that you would like to touch on, feel free. The folks who dialed in with a hand up line should be open. Feel free to chime in. Oh, and I will make sure to say again, this is not, this is not, this is not a spectator broadcast. This is not for people to just dial in and hang out on the line like, oh, this is so entertaining. This is great. I love hearing Gus and all of his callers. That That is not what this is designed for at all. Uh, I am certain if you are a victim of racism, particularly if you are a black person, 
you have got some workplace racism incidents to discuss, whether it's neutralizing problems with other black coworkers, things that you're seeing in terms of what whites are doing on the job. I am sure it is always beneficial uh, just for people to get a better grasp of the type of things that you might have to deal with on the job, to already be thinking of strategies. That in and of itself is hugely constructive for other non-white people, particularly non-white people who don't have an extensive work history, younger folks who have not had all of these experiences, just to hear about the type of things that they might run into on the job so you can already be thinking if it does happen, your brain computer will be operating at a phenomenally more efficient rate. Like, oh, I heard, okay, I remember about they were talking about this situation. Bang, I'd already thought, thought about a strategy about how I was going to deal with this. Boop, or even better, you are already doing things as soon as you get on the job to minimize some of these things from happening. So it is extremely constructive and appreciated to have folks participate. Let us not be spectators. That is not what counter-racism is about. Folks that dialed in with a hand up, uh, your line should be open. Feel free to chime in. Yes, may I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, Justin, to the rest of the callers. So I've noticed throughout my first week of school that um, people have been talking about Harambe a lot, and I've also been um, looking through social media this summer and just the jokes about Harambe, and it's just been a little bit... Um, chaotic, just based on that, and um, I um, I've seen a whole bunch of posts about it, and I I specifically remember one post that stated, "Heroes will always be remembered, but legends never die," and it um, it was cut out to be Harambe's face, and um, I just got confused because I didn't see how he was a hero because all he did was just drag a child down a um a moat or body of water or whatever but um i don't i just i just got confused and um i just um i just found that interesting how this summer and this first week of school the whole topic topic has been about harambe and um yeah that's all i have to share thank you for taking my call for sure for sure our uh caller uh in the bay area i'm not surprised that folks remember from this summer that was, I think, one of the biggest uh, incidents of the summer of 2016, the gorilla that was shot and killed at the zoo. I believe it was in Cincinnati uh, where a black child fell in the mode and the gorilla grabbed the child and swung him, pulled him a little bit, and then they ended up uh, shooting and killing the gorilla. And people were outraged and they were talking about charging the parents. Uh, with neglect, I think the prosecutor, or I remember, it's not, I think the prosecutor, when he announced that they were not going to charge the parents with anything, said uh, it's not like they were in the bathroom smoking crack uh, when all of this happened. But, uh, yeah, they, they even, this happened a while ago. Like, I think this happened, it's been a couple months now. Uh, this was like at the very beginning of the summer. But uh, I'm not surprised because just last week they had reports that I think the zoo had to take down the page for they had some social media pages uh, in remembrance memorial to Harambe and they had to take them down because people were still making memes about this and of course there was a lot of racism in it comparing this gorilla to black people and all of that so I'm not surprised that your classmates are getting in on this too and your classmates are on the other side of the country all the way in California and they're still chatting about this which uh, just in my view anything is worth more than the life of a black person in this case a black child even uh, some 
monkey is worth more than the life of a black child. And I think also this is kind of dual layers. It also gives, uh, in my view, has given whites a lot of uh, opportunities to practice racism uh, with their jokes and comparing black people to apes and gorillas, which is long running uh, white supremacy culture. Um, I don't just in terms of record, I would just make note of it if, if there's an opportunity to ask questions. Right. Because you were saying some people were saying that he's a hero. If you want to ask uh, what's your definite? What do you mean when you say hero? What's your definition of a hero? Uh, what exactly qualifies Harambe as a hero, quote unquote? If you want to think of some questions to ask uh, any of your white, you know, classmates, if you are so inclined, if even if you want to even do that, it might not even be worth it. It might just be one of something that you you just take note of as hmm, interesting observations as I'm, you know, beginning my school year. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Good evening, Gus, to all the callers. Um, Gus, you're always asking for examples of people who um, are entrepreneurs and whether or not them being in business for themselves um, shields them from um, workplace racism. So, um, this, by the way, this is a female caller in New York. I recently relocated to South Carolina to be with my mother, who is um, getting older. And, you know, she's um, in those years. So, uh, she needs me. So, I'm here. Um, and I'm glad to be able to um, do that for her. So, um, I was securing a property, and I... Uh, decided that when I was making this move that everybody that I dealt with were going to be victims. I'm going to find victims who had their own businesses and I was going to support them more than or preferably if I could um, not um, not, white, not deal with white people at all. I'm not giving white people my money at all in certain instances. So I found a wonderful black um, woman who has her own real estate company and um, in the area she's very very popular. Not Not I mean, she's like, she's known to be the best in the area. So I was very uh, graced to have the place to deal with her. Um, and uh, so part of the thing that happens with uh, securing properties is you have to go through um, inspections um, of the property. So she has, of course, a set of vendors that she has relationships with. So when the um, home inspector showed up, that was a young black man. I was very happy about that. When the HVAC inspector showed up, that was a young black man. These black men with their own companies. I was very happy about that. So then the termite inspector showed up, a uh, racist suspect. So the um, whole point of this um, anecdote is just to uh, highlight how we should never, ever, ever um, let racists know that we're working with, let them know about our personal business. So apparently she's been working with this racist suspect for a long time when it comes to doing termite inspections. And um, he rattles off to her, oh, yeah, so um, how's John? And John is apparently her boyfriend. And she goes, oh, he's okay, he's fine. Yeah, what's he doing lately? So um, from the gist of the conversation, and from what she has spoken to me about on other occasions, John kind of helps her with her business. 
So um, he was like, oh, what, what's he doing lately? And she said, oh, you know, he's doing well. Oh, what do you, what do you, and he says to her, what are you, teaching him the ropes or something? And, you know, she was very visibly embarrassed about this whole conversation, this exchange that she was having with this racist suspect. And then he says, don't, oh, don't tell me he's a kept man. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I said, you know, in my opinion, she was being psychologically, sexually sewered because I felt that vibe coming off of him, you know, especially he's in the presence of two black females, and one of them is basically hiring him <laughs> for a service. But, you know, um, that didn't stop, stop him from abusing her. I mean, that's a perfect opportunity to abuse her. These are two black women. One of them is purchasing the property. One of them owns their own business, and here he comes, you know. So, I mean, like I said, it, it, that was a perfect example. I thought about the show, and I wanted to share that. That was a perfect example of somebody who is in business for themselves who is, is experiencing workplace racism on the job, even though she is the one that is making money for him. Okay, so I just wanted to share that, and I'll mute my line. Mm, thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm sorry for her and you that you all had to... Uh, experience that but that that is just further evidence uh, I just don't think that if you go into business for yourself whatever that means uh, that is not going to sever your ties with racist man racist woman racist child and I mean it's going to pop up in a variety of ways uh, depending on the type of you know business that you operate you're still directly indirectly probably a lot directly more so than a lot of us uh, concede it's been my experience directly have to deal with racist still uh, and that sort of uh, capacity and just to to echo double down on the point of uh, you really don't want to uh, be engaging in you know personal conversation and having them in your business about your relationship or your family or your I mean you just don't want to uh, give them that opportunity because it seems like what you were saying it just gets to, to tacky so quick uh, and some sort of uh, degrading and and just mocking her and and her relationship with this black male i mean just that sort of trashiness is so so common uh in the workplace and you really just want to try to minimize that as much as possible as i stated at the very bit we're not friends these are not my homies you're here to do a job if in this situation i am paying you to do a service let's just keep it business and uh, i mean you don't have to be nasty you don't have to be rude but we don't need to be having a whole lot of you know personal conversation uh, i'm not asking you about your children i don't care about your wife or your husband or your grandparents or none of that and you certainly are not going to be conversing about any of my you know relatives or anything like that do whatever job you hear termites that's what you hear with termites Mm -hmm. termites right on and uh, get this done expeditiously so you can get on your way and we don't have to have any more direct contact but absolutely that's the sort of thing that you know you're still going to have to navigate on uh, a system of racism white supremacy even as a black entrepreneur unless I have been misinformed can I be heard yes sir uh, greetings to you, Gus, um, and to all the callers and the listeners. Um, I just wanted to chime in in regards to the conversation that you just had with the black female. And um, I think there was a person who wrote in who was transitioning from their job, and they were asking about um, giving out information about what they were going to do. And I 
just emphatically agree with you. You want to give white people as little detail as possible, even if you have to lie to them. Just lie to them so they don't know your business in any way, shape, or form, um, and keep it moving. Um, one thing I've noticed just in the behavior um, that black people display on the job versus white people when they're transitioning from jobs is white people have the liberty because of their uh, racism, white supremacist, white power. They are always at liberty to tell all their business, where they're going. Um, you know, I've seen them just give the full, full gamut as to what their next you know, steps are going to be when they're leaving. And um, I find that a lot of black people tend to think the same way that white people do, that they can do the same thing until white people show them what being black is supposed to be like in a system of white supremacy. And I think that just comes from us being um, acculturated into thinking that we're American or we're, you know, a part of this, you know, this whatever you want to call it, that these white people have created this uh, plantation system. Um, and I think that when we get comfortable like that, it's very easy for us to, I mean, on a psychological level, it gets easy for you to feel like you can talk about your business and things like that. And what they do, like I said, they psychoanalyze us all the time. They're taking notes on what we're doing and how we do it all the time. And that's all being done to preemptively put a stop to whatever you're trying to do or to, uh, in some way, make it troublesome or even just destroy whatever prospects that you might have. So I would just say I agree with Gus um, wholeheartedly. You don't want to tell them anything about what you're doing whatsoever, if possible. Um, you know, and I think, like I said, just give them what they need to hear and keep it moving, keep it business. Um, and like the the, uh, the black female just talked about, you know, this, this woman has her own business. She's working with this white male. He's contributing, you know, to she's contributing to him being able to make money based on her utilizing his services. And he still comes in like a plantation slave master and basically steps all over her relationship and tries to emasculate um, this woman's uh, male counterpart right then and there in front of her client, which was obviously the, the um, black female who was just talking. So to me, that's a great sign of showing you that white people on all levels function with the plantation mentality, and they are always the plantation master. So none of us should ever get comfortable with being around white people and displaying anything about ourselves, whether it's personal information, whatever the case may be. Give them just what they need to get whatever you need done done, and that's it. And, and give as little as possible unless it's necessary in order for you to get from point A to point B when dealing with them. Thank you, and I'll meet my line. Here, here. Here, here. Other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, feel free chime in. I was curious uh, for people, uh, the female caller in New York uh, who shared about that incident and or anyone else, if you're in that type of situation and you can see that that's where the conversation is going, they're making those sort of uh, just really tacky remarks. Uh, how would you neutralize that situation if you know that's happening to you or you're present and someone's doing that? Um, suggestions. Uh, folks had an idea of of what to say, what they would do to try to to stop to uh, compensatory conversation control. We might call it where you're able to use words to redirect 
what we're talking about, where the conversation is going. If folks have any suggestions on that, that might be helpful as well, because I suspect uh, that type of thing happens to a lot of black people uh, in the workplace setting. Uh, but that's one we can folks can chime in on as we proceed through the dialogue. Uh, other folks have, have comments they wanted to uh, address, either your own incidents or anything we've talked about thus far? Yes, sir. Yes, um, I agree with both of y'all. I wouldn't give too much information. Um, I've left jobs before, and you have an exit interview, and they ask a bunch of questions, and um, I wasn't as codified then, but, you know, I felt very strange. You you know, they wanted to know who you're going to work for and things, and I I would handle that today, like, um, you know, I don't have anything lined up. I'm just, you know, leaving. Um, I wouldn't tell them anything. Uh, as for the late, see, the beauty, you're going to deal with racism if you own your own business, of course. But the beauty of owning your own business is that dude was working for her. And she could have told him, listen, you know, I don't like this conversation. I don't like the way it's going. And if you want me to hire you again, I would advise you not to get into this type of conversation. Let's keep it strictly professional. And, um, you know, unlike if you have an employee, an employer, you can't really do that. But in that situation, she has every right to tell him, you know, shut up. I mean, my May I be heard? Again, this is a female caller from New York. Uh, I just wanted to say that um, being that this was an entirely brand new, like crazy situation for me, I had never, ever even experienced um, in my life trying to purchase property. Um, so, you know, I, I when, when the conversation happened, you know, I was immediately, I was just like kind of taken aback by the whole thing. And um, honestly, I just felt like really embarrassed for her. But the outcome of the situation is, is that this man had the best prices on doing the service for me. But simply because of the fact that he psychologically, sexually sewered another victim of racism in front of her client, I will not go with him. I will not hire him to do the service for me. I mean, he did the inspection. That was part of the whole, uh, the whole uh, process. But he offered a service like a prevention service. And he does have the best prices. But because of that, you know, that's just my counter-racist act. He lost the business. That's all I had. I'll mute my line. Black self-respect, in my view, black self-respect, some things are uh, significantly more important than our nickels. Uh, And racists generally make it very difficult because they try to keep us from having uh, enough nickels uh, for us to be able to function effectively. But sometimes uh, black self-respect should outweigh everything. Uh, Other folks have commentary they wanted to share? I have um, one to share. Um, I was having a um, conversation with my coworker, and um, um, out of the blue, 
the racist female that I tell you about who um, usually is very chatty, um, Trump supporter. She comes over, and uh, I saw her walk past, and, um, you know, then I saw her walk back past, and each time she looked, like, you know, and I, I could see she had that look of curiosity. What are they talking about? And um, we were talking, um, we were talking very codified, so we weren't talking loud. Um, we were talking about something that, you know, we didn't want nobody to hear us talking about. So she comes over and stares behind him very quietly. And he's, you know, continuing to talk, and I stopped because I see her. So I said, hey, how you doing? So he turns around, you know, hey, hey. So she um, says, hey, what do you guys think about Colin Company? So <laughs> I said, oh, boy, here she goes. So um, I said, oh, who's that? So she says, you don't watch football? Football player. I said, oh, I'm not too familiar with um, that guy. Um, what team does he play for? So she says, I'm um, the 49ers. Now, of course, I know who this is. I watch football. So um, I said, what did he do? Said, oh, this idiot, he wouldn't stand up for the national anthem. He sat down and this, that, and other. I said, is that against the rules? Well, of course, no, it's not against the rules for him not to stand for the national anthem, but how dare he? You know, I fought for this country, and she was in the reserves. And, um, you know, so, you know, I kept it in question lane. She was, you know, what do you think? I said, I don't know. You know, I mean, I remember... And I brought up a basketball player that did it just to divert the conversation because I'm not going to give her an answer. And, um, you know, so I brought that up and I said, you know, for religious purposes, do you agree for it then? And she says, no, if you're in this country, you stand up for the national anthem. If you don't like it, go back to where you came from. Now, mind you, this is the human resources, ladies. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm interested, I'm interested, you know, so, um, and I stood up and said, listen, you know, I'll talk to you later. I got other work to do. So I never gave her an answer. But I just felt like um, she was trying to set us up from the start. You know, she wanted to interject. She wanted to hear what we was talking about. And, you know, and then she comes over with something that um, was, you know, very, you know, trying to set us up to have get her point of view out. And now the guy I'm with, you know, he was, Man, I like how you handle that, man, because I was about to get her. Yo, you never do that. You don't, I don't have an opinion for her. I don't care to share my opinion with her. I just want to know what her opinion is. And when she gave it to me, I don't need to hear nothing else because, you know, I, you already see, you know, how she is. You know, you know what she is. So uh, I just thought that was very interesting. Um, now, this gentleman that I work with, however, I decided that, I was going to correct him because he keeps saying that. I don't know. It's just something about this, you know. I, I could I could tolerate anti-blackness, but you know, when the white people civilized us, and I'm like, well, time out, though. You know, I think you need to probably go back and rehash history to opposite way. Oh no, 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 no. And I, you know, so I that kind of he has that that mentality, you know. Um, so I, I I just don't you know hey, you know I don't know what to say but I decide I'm not gonna um, ever have a conversation with him like that again. Yeah, that, that's what you think and that's what you want to think. You know, go ahead, bro. It wasn't even um you know worth it. But uh, I just I'll mute my line. Thank you. 
Definitely. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Ross. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yes, I was going to say, wow, I just find it interesting how white people can come into another, another people's land, take over the land, steal their identity as the, um, the owners of the land that they took, and then turn around and say, when people come from other countries, um, I don't care about their religion. You know, I fought for this country. They need to stand up for the national anthem. I find that just like the, one of the most incredible um, displays of how white psychopathology works. Um, you know, it's, it's just, they just, they, they have this mentality that they own everything and everybody. Um, and that's how it comes out in that sort of display where, you know, they're the biggest thieves on the planet, but yet, you know, you come to the country they stole, <laughs> you know, you still got to stand up for the national anthem and show your respect to white supremacy. Um, I just find that to be a very telling <laughs> insight into their psychopathology. Thank you, and I'll mute my line. For sure, for sure. I think uh, just with the two incidents that uh, Thomas in New York touched on, uh, with the white woman coming to interject, I think Roz talks about this all the time, and several others, whites, they're not ignorant about racism. Uh, they keep an eye on their niggers, uh, particularly on the job. Uh, and I know we have had many, many uh, victims over the years who have shared uh, about when we're on the job and if it's one or two black people or a small group of black people and they're talking seriously, like they're not talking about, oh, man, did you see that game last night? And wow, that, you know, that LeBron James or something. And, you know, wow, that's Simone Biles. You're not talking about sports or something goofy. Uh, you seem like you might be talking about something serious, quiet not full of laughter and yelling down the hallway. Oh man, the radar, the racist radar, it goes off. Like, wait a minute, they might be plotting an insurrection. What's going on here? Like immediately, uh, they become concerned. They want to butt into your conversation. I think we've had tons of people who have uh, shared that sort of experience many times uh, over the years. Uh, I think it's always great when you can be mindful of that if you're going to have those conversations just so that you know that that sort of thing does attract a lot of uh, white attention. Uh, and then when they're coming by, just being mindful about your how loud you are talking, even I would say how long you allow that sort of dialogue to go on. Uh, you might want to watch, say, all right, we're going to do this for five or ten minutes and then we'll break up and, you know, disperse our separate ways, continue this later. Uh, but when she came in and interjected about Colin Kaepernick, and this is the sort of thing I say with any sort of, of current event, uh, anything that's dealing with racism and has a lot of people talking, whether it's going to be the presidential election up through uh, November, uh, something like with Dylan Stormroof or any of the police shooting things that have happened or Donald Sterling back a few years ago, anything like that where, you know, that is the big news item for the day or for the week. Uh, it's been my experience, uh, racist, they will try to provoke you. Uh, to comment about that either they will say something like you know uh that that dylan roof i don't think what he did was that bad i don't think he should get the death penalty i mean you know it's niggers go out and, and shoot up black people all the time you know not that big a guy dylan roof is all right with me you know i would have gave him a hamburger too they will try and say something like that just to provoke you 
to get you upset so that you can get into some sort of spat argument, that sort of thing, or just they want to see what you think. They'll just toss it out there like she did. Yeah, what do you think about that Colin Kaepernick guy? See if they can get you out there to go on a rant on the job. And I I think it's great, and America's been racist, and damn America, and, you know, go on a tirade or something of of that sort. I think it's always great to avoid that. I've stated consistently for years, you're not supposed to talk about racism on the job. I always think it's a fantastic strategy. I don't even know what you're talking about. I missed that. What? What is? Who is this guy again? Exactly what Thomas and you said. Who is this guy? I don't even know who that is. What did he do exactly? Oh wow, that's that's wacky. I had to think about that. I didn't even I didn't even know that happened. Uh, that's that's news to me. That's that's a new one. What do you think? And then you can boop. That's how you can get out of it too. You can throw it back. That's why I didn't even know about it. What do you think about it? And then you know allow them to talk. Wow, that's interesting. And then regardless of what they say, hey, he's a bum. He needs to get out of the country. He's the worst terrorist he's worse than been wow that's fascinating i have to check up on that once we get out of work right back to work mm-hmm. so what is the next meeting we're gonna have right oh, okay is bob into okay right you get right back to always i think that is the best way to handle that sort of thing and then i would say it's the same approach if it happens to be a victim of racism like if they come with the it was a non-white person i think who was talking to thomas who said uh you know, whites are the most civilized or however he phrased it, even if it's another black person. And, you know, I, I don't even like Harriet Tubman. I, I think it's a disgrace that they're putting her on the on the ten dollar bill or whatever. Mm hmm. That's interesting. Mm hmm. Uh, because, as I stated, I'm not here to talk about racism. And I think a lot of folks have pointed out uh, that, unfortunately, in this system of racism, white supremacy, racists frequently, uh, they are able to use other victims uh, to get at us in our confusion, in our state of fear of upsetting whites, we don't want to lose our job, uh, that we will snitch on other black people and we can be manipulated to getting other black people on the job in trouble. So uh, I know for a lot of people, they have experienced that, unfortunately. So I would use the same rule with them, uh, that I'm not here to have uh, a debate or conversation with them either uh, about racism. Uh, if they're confused and whatever view they take uh, about things, fine, that's on them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Moving right back to workplace, uh, whatever our workplace duties are, whatever we're supposed to be dealing with on the job. That's exactly the way that I would deal with that, uh, because you don't want to be in a situation where you're responding to another black person and they go tell the white people on the job or the same nosy whites. They come by and hear that conversation and then they're taking notes and, you know, strategizing about how they're going to neutralize you and get you out of there. So just my views on dealing with that. Uh, other folks, uh, um, one, one important question I did ask her in the middle of my questioning mm-hmm. was, um, well, uh, is Colin Cop- is he black or white? Mm. He's black. He's black. I said, oh, is he? You know, I, I gotta look him up, you know. And she says, oh, he's, well, you know, I think he has a white parent because he's real white and he's raised by these white people. I said, oh, okay. And, you know, we're on to the next question, but yeah, I uh, had to interject that one. <laughs> Always glad that that's always great in a workplace situation where they have brought up something uh, like that. And you want to ask about racial classification, particularly if it's any sort of ambiguity about the racial classification of, of the people that are being referenced. Always a great one. If it's a white person that's doing the talking, uh, to get them to give their uh, give their assessment of the racial classification of any person that's being discussed. I think that's always a good question I would recommend. 
Uh, other folks have commentary. Folks are spectating. Again, this is not a spectator program. Uh, I seriously doubt there's any way you can have a sizable number, I would say even five uh, black people and not have at least four uh, who have commentary on workplace racism, who are not having some sort of difficulties or at minimum observing things on the job that are directly related to racism, white supremacy. This is not a spectator broadcast. Uh, star six hand up the number again, six, four, one, seven, one, five, three, six, four, zero, the code five, six, four, nine, four, three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Other folks have commentary, your own situation, or if you want to comment on something that's been brought up. Uh, yes, I do, actually. Oh, you can go ahead. I'll, I'll wait till you're finished. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Uh, greetings to guest the host, the Richmond and callers. Um, I had a, a few observations, but to start mine off, I did download a, uh, a copy of two PDF documents. One was talking about, I think it was uh, a diversity plan or something like that, diversity and inclusion plan. And another one was something about EEOC, and I still have to look through it, but they seem to be very extended, like a lot of pages in it, so I still have to look through both of those. But I had uh, at least two incidents from this week. The first one was uh, the, the same white female was uh she we was looking at this this news segment and they were talking about the election coming up and, and uh i think it was yeah it was about donald trump being accused of being a, a bigot and a racist like that's the term they use and this female she says something real interesting she says well you know i don't i don't think that uh i don't think that he's a racist i think he's unfiltered that's, that's what she said, unfiltered. So, you know, I asked a question, and then I said, well, how do you know the difference? Like, how, how does that qualify? Or what qualifies for him to be a racist? And she says, oh, well, you know, uh, something like the the, uh, the KKK or something. And then I said, well, are you saying that he's possibly in <laughs> I said, he's possibly the KKK? And she says, well, no, not exactly. And they're just making stuff up. And she pretty much got kind of vague in her responses, you know, trying to obfuscate and all that. So uh, that, that pretty much ended that conversation. But I think she uh, was trying to obviously defend uh, Donald Trump in some kind of way. And uh, number two was that, like, I think I shared this last week where, uh, the uh, white the white male supervisor, he tried to bait uh, me in a conversation, and what, what I forgot, I think I don't think I added this part. Like the the white female, she brought it up, and she left the room. She left the lunchroom, and like as she was leaving, she said, "Oh, well, you know, let let me know what he says." He meaning me. So obviously they had them had some kind of conversation prior to that. Like, oh, let's, let's see what he'll say. And I ended up doing nothing but asking him questions. So he didn't really get much out of me but some questions. And um, number number three is uh, we had, like, uh, some people moving around at different desks. 
like I don't know if that was mentioned or brought up much about how like the uh the office or the company will make people move around. But it all started out at the beginning of the week where apparently like uh unfortunately a uh a black female was terminated and I think the way that they did it, because I heard the white people uh, gossiping about it and I guess uh, some of the powerful people they had walked over to wherever the department was like after we left and I guess they pretty much let her know that she was going to be letting go and I found out the next day and I thought she took the day off and they pretty much just uh, fired her or whatever and I guess like she was talking with another black person that was in that department who's been there for years and is very knowledgeable about the Sanford department. So the supervisor of that department is going to apparently get some kind of other powerful position, which apparently uh, presumably pays more money because we have one person, a powerful white person, retiring later on this month. So pretty much, you know, they just all, you know, know each other and this this other guy's gonna get that position. Just it, it reminds me of when you were talking about how, you know, qualifications and they don't really need to have no kind of extended education and all of that. They just get it just on that on that um fact that, you know, they're classified as uh as white. So um as like after the black female was fired, they apparently gave, I guess, the lead worker or second in command. That's the term that I heard was used to another black person, and they moved some people around. And the black female in that department I was talking about, it was only two black females. The other black female was moved out of her office like it was like a like a solo office and they moved her out front and uh there's an empty desk you know, like in front of her and they're gonna give that department the new supervisor is gonna be another white person but she doesn't know nothing about the department. So they could have gave that to a black person. So yeah it's very interesting how they uh they're pretty much work as system everywhere like in all of these jobs so I'm still learning about this whole thing but it's, it's real interesting and uh, that's, that's all I have for now fascinating fascinating um, going I mean that's standard operating procedure I was going to say is going to be more of that but I mean that's everyday all day activity uh, regardless of what the white person does they're never racist Dylan Roof, Donald Sterling they're not racist they might have had a bad day a slip up but they're definitely not racist uh, with that last uh, vignette or the last example that you uh, touched on uh, that's also that's pretty much cliche uh, within the system uh, just being classified as white that is your qualification uh, regardless of whatever uh, qualifications, degrees, experience uh, the Negro might have, uh, you just being classified as white, you already got them. Uh, that moving your, t- whatever it is, moving your desk around, moving where your workstation is, all of that, I've seen that on a consistent basis, and I think we've even had people who've called in before 
uh, who have shared how they have just moved things around just for the purpose of disrupting some of the non-white workers or putting them uh, in a less desirable spot, like if it was a black person and they had an office and maybe it had a window, it's just a comfortable area to work, moving them to a less comfortable area to work. I think we even had a person who was saying that they were in an office and their desk was positioned so that as people walked by, they could directly see their computer to see what they were doing or what they were looking at on their screen, and they tried to move their desk so that that was not the case, so they could turn it so that people couldn't just come by and see exactly what they were looking at, and I think that might have become an issue, like, hey, wait a minute, you don't have you know permission to just be moving things around and whatever. That is standard operating procedure in the workplace, and then just connecting back to you don't have to be qualified. I've seen that regularly as well, where they will give the position to a white person who is not even knowledgeable about what's happening. You have black people that are qualified, who work there, they're experienced. They don't get that position. We'll bring in somebody who is a suspected racist, and they aren't even informed about this. They're going to have to be going to other people to, you know, catch them up, tell them what to do, how things operate or what have you, until they catch on, however long that takes, if they even catch on to what's supposed to be done, what the duties of that position will entail that's just and again in my view is totally inaccurate to classify that as quote-unquote white privilege that is white power to be able to do that and on a worldwide scale for generations where you can just have generation after generation after generation of individuals classified as white who can just get these jobs uh, and take care of their families support themselves where they are not qualified at, or not even informed don't even have the intelligence uh, to do this that is just further illustration of what we talk about what we mean when we say system of white supremacy and there's no redress nothing can be done about this um, yeah that I'm sure lots of folks can relate to that uh, sort of thing on the job as well. Uh, other hey, folks, mm-hmm. the best example of that was what well, I think it was Bob Costas. Come to find out after he died that well, he, he didn't even finish high school. Um, he's on the news. I think was it Bob Costas? One of the newscasters. Um, didn't have Peter no, Jennings. Have Peter Jennings. There you go. He didn't even finish high school, but he's on the news every night, and he's the person giving us this perspective and sounding all intellectual and wasn't even qualified. Um, I, I had a couple of incidences, too, but I wanted to speak to what the previous caller was talking about and what you guys are just speaking about. Um, I think that that black male, he's amazing because he has the most, some of the most profound incidences that happen, like, all the time. And um, to me, what he was witnessing, I think I brought this up either on the last workplace racism or before that, the fact that white people understand that not only are they melanin deficient, but they're intelligent deficient. Um, That's why I don't believe they're the most intelligent people. I just think they're the most cunning. And it's their cunning that puts them leagues ahead of non-white people. And um, it's, it's basically they know that they're not just like, I think I brought up the example I used with Hillary Clinton. They already know that white people are going to do illegal things. They're going to do stupid things or just not know what they're doing. So racism is how they compensate for their deficiency um, in a way where you just have to be white to get the job. And we'll go through, jump through whatever hoops we have to jump through to make sure this white person gets everything they need to get to be set up right, to do the job the way that we want them to. And if they continue to mess up due to the fact that they may not have the education, which means they are not intelligent enough to do the job, we'll just compensate for that by making sure that they have an extra helper or a couple niggers that can be there 
assistance to help them really do the job, and it turns out to be that the black people are doing the job every day and the white person gets the credit for it. So I think that's a, a, a prime example of the fact that they're not necessarily intelligent, they're just cunning, and they think steps ahead of us in a way in which we have not studied history and studied them well enough to preempt that sort of behavior and start actually doing the same thing on our own for one another as black people. Um, the incidents that I have are very interesting. My wife actually gave me an incident. She um, went out this uh, past weekend to go to a store to get some um, things for her, her parents, who I've talked about um, are dealing with Alzheimer's. And she went to the store, and um, it's a medical supply store. And she said she encountered uh, a black male who had mistreated her before. Very similar to stories that uh, Dr. Wilson would bring up where, you know, when she gets to the register, they would, you know, not talk to her properly or, um, or just, just not be the nicest person. So she said this incident, she went to the store. The owner of the store was at the register. And um, he, she said that, and this is a white male, white male owner. And she said that he was, uh, you know, pretty pleasant and trying to help her out and give her the help that she needed. So the black male who she had had previous encounters with came up to her and said, um, Hey, sister, how you doing? You know, um, I haven't seen you in a long time and basically acting as if they were friends or that they knew each other in some way. So my wife said hello. She was cordial and whatever. But the thing that stood out the most was the white male owner immediately said to him, what's the sister stuff? You know, like, do you know her or something like that? And my wife said immediately when he asked that question, the black male did not know how to answer the question. So he just literally just, just kowtowed. And basically, the um, the white male uh, owner ended up basically sending him back into the plantation to do something else because he didn't even know how to answer the white male's question as to what did he mean when he called her sister and why was he calling her sister. Um, and I just found that very fascinating because, again, um, even though he had mistreated my wife before, he, in that moment, was attempting to somehow be positive in some way, shape, or form. But just the idea that him use, using the term sister, I think in the white male's mind, um, gave him the idea that they were coming together in a way that plantation masters don't want black people coming together. So he instantly asked about it. And again, he stayed in the question lane and the black male was completely flabbergasted, did not know what to say. And she said, literally, it was almost like, um, and she just, she just described it. She said it was almost like a yes, sir, boss thing where he just couldn't answer. The guy just said, get back to work, basically. He was like, okay, boss, and he just literally disappeared. That's one. The other incident had to do with the black male who I was talking about before who was transitioning from his position at the company I'm at now. And um, once he gets set up there, he said he wants to pull me and a few other people over with him. So he left the job yesterday. was his last day. And um, the day before that, Wednesday, we were talking and he said that he was telling me what was happening to him once he gave them his notice that he was leaving. Now, there's a stark difference between my supervisor, who was a black lesbian female, who, um, from what I understand, they had given her, um, well, they, like I said, they had the whole um, department give her uh, a send-off when we, when we realized that, um, that she was leaving. Everybody came together, all of the department heads, because she, she had done a lot of work to basically hold down what was happening because these people keep making racist decisions that are causing the company to really fluctuate in regards to the quality of the work experience. So there's droves of people leaving. And he said to me that they'd 
given her over a thousand dollars when they went to they ended up having like a going away little shindig at, at a bar and they gave like contributed the company contributed a thousand dollars for them to go to this bar and everyone was pissy drunk by the end of the evening and you know they hung out whatever the case may be when he gave them their notice and he's actually a trainer he was one of the main trainers so he would train basically all the new employees no matter what department they were in he would train them he was one of the people who would train them and he was the only black male that would train them so he was supposed to also just like my supervisor she was supposed to go to arizona when the decisions started coming from from up top that were having a negative effect on not just her but the people at the at the bottom she changed her mind about going to arizona they still didn't mistreat her when he said that he would not go to Arizona because he also has a young child, which this, he, my supervisor does not. She has no children, but he has a young daughter, and he was very uncomfortable with leaving her in New York City and moving to Arizona. Um, and essentially, as everything developed, he decided, I'm not going either because I don't want to relocate to Arizona. And then something you know horrific happens, and I'm stuck in Arizona. My daughter's in New York, and I have no access to her. So he changed his mind, and he ended up getting this other job. So he told me from the moment he mentioned to them that he would no longer be with the company and that he was not uh, relocating to Arizona, which basically all the other trainers, which were all white and um, I think uh, one Latino, um, the one Latino is still here. All the other ones already transitioned to Arizona. They're already there. And he said the moment he let them know that he would not be going, they immediately, like, it was like he was locked out of the plantation. He said all of his meetings that he had, because he had different meetings for people who were still coming into the job that he had to train, they canceled them all. Um, he was supposed to have a few meetings with some of the higher-ups in regards to things that um, he would have been able to help them facilitate before he left. They canceled all of those meetings. So essentially, he just started to come in late. He was just like, you know what? They're basically giving me a break. I just have to come into to the job and show them my face, and I'll get my paycheck. But ultimately, um, and then he started canceling his own meetings. He was like, I'm not going to any of these meetings. They already let me know by how they're treating me that, that you know, I'm basically out of here. So they're treating me like I'm out of here, even though I still have time left that I was going to, um, you know, spend on the job to give them my notice and do what I'm supposed to do as an employee before I leave, give them the proper notice and still perform my duties to the best of my ability. But obviously they didn't care about him performing his duties. It's basically, nigga, you going to another plantation? Uh, well, you need to go like tomorrow, but you gave us the notice. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But you basically have no job. We're not going to have you do anything whatsoever. And I just find that to be very interesting because, the difference between how my supervisor was treated, and this also goes back to some of the things that we talked about on this program before, where um, to be a anti-sexual black person gives you leeway in the system of white supremacy that heterosexuals don't get because heterosexuals are a threat to the system due to the fact that heterosexuals are procreating black people and they don't want us procreating. When you come in and you let them know or they see and they sense that you are gay or lesbian, you've already compromised yourself. And in their mind, that's one less set of niggas being born in the world. So I find just the job that she did um, and the fact that she was lesbian and um, all of this, she got all of these benefits when she left besides the fact that, like I said, she did incredible work while she was there. This guy also did incredible work but because he decided to leave and he was not going to the plantation in Arizona, he got basically kicked off the plantation before he actually left the plantation. So I just found that telling, and that is my workplace uh, incidents that I wanted to report. Thank you so much, and I'll meet my line. Hmm. Fascinating. Wow.
the uh, at commentary on both, but I, I'll go in order. The first, your wife's situation, I think that was the one you started off with, uh, where she went yes. to the store, what have you, uh, to help out your uh, in-laws and her parents. And uh, the male that was helping her, the hey sister, and his greeting her, he knew her, what have you, and then the uh, the plantation master comes up, hey, 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 what are you doing? What is the sister stuff? And he's done. I mean, that's why I say it, it's terrorism. That's what we're talking about. And that's one of the things why I say it's, it's very important, even keeping this in mind, like with Thomas' situation where he said the black guy on the job was like, you know, uh, that the racist, they're the most civilized and all that stuff. I don't get in. I do not encourage, do not suggest even getting in debates and what have you with other non-white people on the job just because of the fear factor. I mean, you can point out a lot of other things and, you know, lack of black self-respect and however you want to think about it. But in my view, fear is a huge aspect of what the system of white terrorism produces fear. Uh, And I think most human beings uh, have some level of fear uh, about losing their job, about being terrorized, about being abused. Uh, I think that's most of us. And particularly if you are not focused on racism, white supremacy as being the dominant force amongst people in the known universe. I mean, the fear can really get you because then you're not really thinking about this. You're not thinking about what's the best way to respond. You're not thinking about, okay, so my supervisor is a racist. What should I be doing to neutralize this, to counter this as best I can on a daily basis? So when he comes in and makes that sort of comment, what are you doing being friendly to this nigga woman? What is wrong with you? Sorry. Yeah. Yes, go do my job. That's, you know, that's kind of the way we have been groomed. That's the way we've been conditioned for centuries now uh, to not be nice, to not be pleasant, to not be courteous uh, to other black people. I think many, many folks have commented that that just that alone, being nice and trying to be helpful to other black people on the job can be one of the best ways to get yourself fired, uh, to get yourself in trouble uh, with other whites. I think we've had a lot of people testify to that. Just making an effort to do that seems to work against the system of racism, uh, white supremacy, which is why we should try to do more of it. Um, but I think just that alone, uh, just to kind of keep that in mind when you're on the job, if you're being courteous, if you're being professional and how you talk to, how you treat other black people, whether they're other black coworkers or if you're in some sort of uh, position where uh, you have clients, uh, where your patrons, people that are coming to utilize your business or what have you, are going to be black people, non-white people, just trying to be as courteous uh, as you can with them, as patient and professional as you can with them, that that right there might, you know, stir the ire of racists on your job and have that in mind if somebody says something what are you doing being all what do you mean calling that person some mis- i think even mr fuller has said that when he has called other black people in a work uh, place capacity when he's referred to them sir ma'am or called them uh, mr you know mr robinson uh mrs smith calling them uh, speaking with them with some courtesy with some respect calling them by their last name and that sort of thing that that upset whites on the job so just having that in mind how would you respond uh, is there a problem? I was just, she comes in here all the time. She's one of our best customers. I try to make sure that she feels comfortable on each and every visit. Something I try to do with all of our uh, customers. Is that incorrect? Should I not do that? Stay in the question line too. Um, with the second, uh, incident where you were talking about your own personal situation, that's like, wow, that is, uh, that is a lot. Um, <laughs> that's I, if I was going to pick one thing to, to focus on, if other people have commentary, they can, you know, feel free as well. If I was going to pick one thing to focus on, I think number one, we've consistent, or at least I have consistently tried to point out, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you do excellent work, that is really irrelevant in the system of white. you can be phenomenal, bring in lots of clients, make lots of money. 
uh, for the company to increase the efficiency of how things are done. That is totally irrelevant if you are classified as a Negra uh, in the system of white supremacy. And it seems like you were saying that this black, it seems like you all had lots of black people that were really proficient and doing great work there and what have you. And as soon as it's, well, no, I'm, I'm going to value being a black parent. You know, I have, I have a black child and I, I want to make sure that I'm there and I'm able to be a father. What? This nigga's got, whatever, nigga, leave today if you're going to or whatever. I mean, that is consistent uh, within the system of racism, white supremacy to be expected. And that sort of thing I have seen before where that can really bother uh, some black people, like from a psychological standpoint, where they don't understand uh, that that's, this, just, this type of thing happens within the system of racism. It doesn't matter what type of great work you've done. It doesn't matter if you have invested in years of your time and energy working for this company and giving of yourself and doing overtime and all of that to help them do better. That is totally irrelevant. <laughs> like This is your classification. You're here to be mistreated. Uh, and it can really, really bother some people from an emo- emotional uh, standpoint when this sort of thing uh, happens. Uh, and that's why just having that understanding of what racism, white supremacy is and how it works. I thought that was a phenomenal observation in terms of the, the difference in treatment. Uh, if you're engaged in anti-sexual behavior, how you are treated as opposed to if you sex is male, female. This is what I'm on. And particularly I'm about being a quality black parent. Oh, man, that is definitely like eight thumbs down uh, on the job. That's not something that we're trying to promote, encourage at all. Uh, and just noting the difference in treatment. There are even some studies that have come out to back that, and we've had guests who talked about that uh, on the job as well. So uh, in my just excellent observations, uh, just to keep that kind of thing going, and as I've stated before, being observant, even when the racism, white supremacy is not happening to you specifically, you can still be observing how this is impacting other white people and non-white people on your job. Uh, also, I wanted to add a slight addendum to that as well, because you just said something that made, my my antenna literally stand up immediately when you talked about um the fact that they don't care about the type of job you do if you do a great job you could be the best person in the company for the job you do and they'll still you know mistreat you because you're black what i found was the the people the problems that the company is going through is essentially they're a startup company that has been around for maybe three years now and everything during the whole Affordable Care Act and the setup of it was going very good in the beginning, but they started to have issues due to some of the layers of how the Affordable Care Act works. So for the last two years, two and a half years, they were basically throwing money at the problem. Now, mind you, the different problems they had that they were throwing money at were problems that my supervisor had the answers to, and all they had to do was listen to what she said. They didn't. I had a coworker that used to sit next to me. She was on my team. She was also non-white. They had issues with the, with the claims process when, when uh, members went to the doctor and needed to get their, their uh, claims paid in order for their visits to the doctor to be covered. And if they had a copay or a deductible, they would pay whatever amount that was due. If it was covered in full, it was covered in full. And they've had a lot of issues with the claims process. The woman that sat next to me has been in the healthcare field for a long time, highly knowledgeable, and she was giving both the supervisors and the claims department viable information that could have streamlined the claims process that would have saved money. They never listened to her either. And that's why that's another reason why I say white people are not the most intelligent. They're just cunning. And like you just said, 
when you understand the system that the number one operating force behind the behavior that you're witnessing is white supremacy, then the situations that I just talked about where these non-white people were giving this company that's, uh, you know, a multi-million, almost a billion-dollar company um, uh, insight into how to streamline their process so that they could save money and the situation that is taking place now would, would not be taking place, they basically said, screw you non-whites. We're going to do things the way we want. And now that things are, are at a point where they can no longer throw money at the problem, everyone at the bottom is suffering. So I just find that to be just very, very interesting, just in the fact that white people, like you said, they don't care what kind of job you do. Um, you know, as long as, as, as the system of white supremacy exists, then that's what's going to trump everything else. And I just found that to be profound when you actually said that because it made me, made me think about it like, yeah, these people really had good ideas and a lot of the stuff could have been preemptively avoided. But because of white supremacy and white people's allegiance, their, the religion, that's more important than actually running a viable business. And this should just give insight into how many businesses have lost billions of dollars just based on white people practicing racism. And the other thing is when you talked about the black male, my um, coworker who was trying to be a father to his daughter and just do, do things right by her, when we understand that because of white supremacy, it is the, the job in particular is the redux of the plantation experience. So when they see us, we're supposed to be the same chicken George niggas that they've been looking at for the last 500 years. So when you display black self-respect in the form of being a parent and, 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 and applying that information, and mind you, this, this guy is a guy who needs to have conversations off the job about white supremacy. He understood how it functions, so he told him nothing. When he left the company, he gave him no information whatsoever, which I didn't have to tell him that. He already knew what to do. And, um, you know, I just think that when we understand that that's how they view us, they want us to function in the same dysfunctional ways that they have inculcated us with for generations, then we can understand that when we show any black self-respect, whether it's through being a parent or helping another black person, you're not supposed to help another nigga. You're a nigga. You're supposed to do what I tell you to do and, and what I've trained you to do, which is to hate what you see in the mirror. So when we understand that all of these things are the, this, the, this is the operating system of white supremacy, then absolutely nothing should be a, of a surprise to you when white people do it. Because as long as it's about racism, they will spend trillions of dollars in order to kill black people or mistreat us. Thank you. And I'll meet my line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great observations. Great observations. That is what we're dealing with. Uh, number again, 641-715-3640 and the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Uh, lots of spectators today. Uh, I hope that that means, at least for the time being, people are not having difficulties uh, on the job, I would say be prepared, even if this was a relatively quiet, painless week on the plantation. It's been my experience that that just means racists are planning for things ahead. So you should be, too. But uh, I doubt that that is the case. Uh, I think people are just spectating and not sharing. But again, feel free to chime in if you have commentary, uh, observations and or suggestions. Uh, we did have a person who was uh, asking offline uh, about uh, suggestions, ways of minimizing conflict with other black people. That has been a very, very popular uh, topic over the years uh, in terms of having conflict with other non-white people 
uh, on the job, particularly for people who work in situations where the preponderance of the employees, preponderance of your coworkers are black people. You don't really have a lot of white people specifically, uh, directly anyway, uh, in the company or place that you work uh, and how to keep things from uh, if it's a lot of, of the name calling and picking at you about different things and the gossiping uh, about people, just how to deal with that and particularly how to deal with that in a way where it does not come across as well, who do you think you are? And you don't want to talk to us. And, you know, you're just stuck up and you don't even want to, you know, associate uh, with the rest of you. You don't want to hang out with us when we're having lunch and that sort of thing. How to make it so that you uh, can be as uh, constructive as possible in the workplace without getting involved uh, in any of the vices and things that go on if it is uh, kind of a toxic environment with other black people on the job. Uh, do Do folks have people figured out uh, any strategies uh, for neutralizing that sort of thing that seems to work well to keep him out of trouble with that? Um, I would say, in all honesty, I think you, you, you said what I do, which is keep it business. Keep it about the job. Um, be, be very cordial, very respectful to other black people. Um, but really keep it all about the, the position or bettering your situation on the job. And if you can do that, and even if they bring up um, other, other things, whether it's sports or, you know, um, love and hip-hop or whatever nonsense, um, I would just vacate the premises. Once that sort of conversation begins, I'm out of there. Oh, where are you going? Oh, you know, I have something to do, take care of some, some, some work-related stuff, whatever the case may be. But I feel if you can be um, just focused on the job, um, I keep to myself quite a bit. Um, I'm friendly with everybody, black, white, whatever. Um, and I just really keep to myself as much as possible. Even when I go on my, on my lunch break, I don't go to lunch with other people. You know, I just usually put my headphones in. I listen to the cows and I'll read a book. Um, and, and other than that, I would think that's probably the path of least resistance. Because I think once you allow yourself to get into any sort of conversations like that, um, especially because of how we've been trained for so long, we become comfortable extremely fast because essentially when you're able to, or when you get into those sorts of discussions, um, it kind of facilitates black people doing things that end up getting us in trouble with white people on the job. So I think that that's probably the best thing to do, try to keep to yourself um, and keep every, as much of your conversation as possible fo focused on work. And if there's a situation where there's multiple black people around and you see the conversation going in a direction that's not work-related, just trying to remove yourself from that situation, but not remove yourself in a way where it's conspicuous. You know, you can even just say, hey, you know, I'm about to go take care of something or I need to go, you know, if it's your lunch break, hey, I need to go run out and run out to the store and do something, whatever the case may be, to just remove yourself from that scenario. Because um, I find just the act of being around a lot of black people on a job run by white people, it's almost just like, um, like um, I remember growing up back in the days, you could stand on the corner, you know, a bunch of guys could just stand on the corner and it wasn't as big a deal. Whereas now when you have a lot of black people together, there's a lot of attention, whether it's from whites, police, whatever the case may be. And I find that to be the case on the job too. If you have, you know, groups of black people having these discussions, it's going to draw attention that you don't want. So I think that's probably the, the best that I can contribute. And I would like to hear some of the other um, suggestions that other callers have. Thank you. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, regarding the question about um, how to deal with other victims of racism in the workplace and, um, you know, without 
um, being distant from them and feeling, you know, them thinking that you're stuck up and things of that nature. I think that the strategy that may work best is to understand that you're on a battleground. You get up every morning and you go in, into um, another um, field of war in the system of racism, white supremacy. Now, as black people, I get it. We always want to have this communal family feeling, especially when we're all in an atmosphere together. But you are at war, and you are on, like you said, all the time, you are on enemy territory. So to keep that in mind, um, and also NC, NC, no contact, no conflict, not only works best with white people, it also works, it also is a strategy that must be employed with other victims of racism in the workplace. No contact, no conflict. Um, keep it straight business. Um, you don't have to make excuses as to why you're not talking or why you're not doing anything. You just concentrate on the fact that you are at war and you're there to do a job and to do a job only and to go home and to have um, John White Doe sign your paycheck so that you can um, make a living and feed your family. Another thing that um, comes to mind is something that Mr. Fuller spoke about in one of the recordings that you played um, at during another episode of a Workplace Racism Show. And he spoke about how if you think that that black person on your friend is your job and is going to have your back, think again, especially when a problem arises. You think they're going to be the ones to be there to sign that, to, to, to back you up when you have that, you're filing that complaint or that quote-unquote grievance? You're not. They're not. So that's another thing to keep in mind. You have no allies in the workplace. You are um, on your own. You're not there to be friends or socialize. You know, there is a time for you to deal with other black people in that way, and that is when you're off the job and when you're in your home or when you're in your social environment and you're doing what you're doing. But while you're there and you're trying to make some money, I think that the best place, to, best thing to do is just to stay focused on the fact that you're on a battlefield. And that's all I had on you, my mind. Here, 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 here. Uh, the caller at 5771, last four digits, 5771. Uh, did you have a uh, commentary you wanted to share workplace racism? Oh, uh, yeah. How you doing, Gus? Right poorly. I, uh, <laughs> well, I wanted to I wanted to ask this. Uh, I want to put this out there because I had a I had a previous job where, and uh, you know, in, 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 as I go on in life, you know, at these workplaces uh, uh, dealing with racism, you know, I had this one job where basically I tried to be by myself. You know, I didn't talk to anybody. I was just there to you know do my job, and I ended up becoming a target because. They, they, they noticed me as a quiet person, and I never went to, you know, I tried to excuse myself from any of the parties that I went to because, you know, the thing is, too, is that, like, I don't drink, and white people love to drink. And it's like, I, I'm not going to do anything that, I'm, I, you know, that I don't enjoy doing. So whenever they, you know, had this plan to go out after work to drink, I'm like, no, I got something else to do. Like, go home and be with my family. But it ended up, I, you know, like I said, I ended up being a target because one day the managing partner 
uh, of the office came into my office and asked me, is everything okay? You, you don't, you know, you don't come to the parties or anything like that. And, and I had to sit there with my, you know, with my, uh, black corporate America face, I guess is what you call it. Cause you know, as, as, as black men, you know, we have to wear different masks, uh, in corporate America, uh, and tell him that, you know, everything was fine. I just, I just had to go home. And so it's like, I became a target because of the fact that I wasn't associating with people. I wasn't going to the party because I, I had no interest of, of doing it. So, you know, my question I want to put out there is how do you, you know, how do you deal with, deal with that in, in regards to not being too quiet? Because I think probably that was my mistake of just being too quiet because, you know, I just went there, did my nine to five, didn't want to go into parties, didn't want to associate with anybody. And, and I, I, you know, I just had myself labeled as an outcast. So if there was any suggestions that I could have done to, I ended up having to, uh, having to leave the place because eventually I was going to get fired because like I said, I became a target. So, uh, I ended up leaving that place. So, uh, any suggestions, uh, on how to deal with that? Cause I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that, that has gone through that situation as well. So I will go ahead and use my line. Hmm. Appreciate that. I know that that has been something that has been brought up uh, quite a few times as well uh, down through the years. And I've even heard uh, victims of racism speak to that even before uh, we were doing uh, the cows where they were just quiet. And sometimes it wasn't even uh, a a counter racist strategy. It was just they were just not very outgoing people to begin with. That was just their personality was just kind of. I'm quiet to myself. I'm not, you know, the loudest person in the room. I just, I come here, I do my job and, you know, keep it moving. And that was taken to be a problem uh, by suspected racists on the job. Um, my suggestion is if it's because you said part of it was some of it at least was after hours get togethers, that sort of thing, particularly if there's alcohol involved, I would just not do that. And if I was asked, uh, I would explain it. I, you know, I really uh, have a lot of sensitivities uh, about substance abuse, alcohol, uh, and I really make an effort to avoid being in situations. Uh, if it's going to be a bar, or people consuming alcohol, uh, I've had experiences with alcoholism or substance abuse uh, with people that I care about. So that's just something that I'm very sensitive to. And I just uh, I don't I make a conscious effort to avoid those type of environments. And I think generally speaking i mean this is a system of white supremacy and black people are mistreated for any reason no reason at all uh but my suspicion would be that that will uh that will suffice for many situations i think that might be something that people can uh respect accept generally now workplace my recommendation and what i say consistently is you're not there to be aloof you're not there to not talk to people i encourage being courteous uh you can speak to address everybody you know morning helen Morning, John, to people on a first name basis, if, you know, if Mr. Johnson, Miss Smith, you can speak to everybody. I just consistently encourage keep it on the job. And I even encourage look for ways where you can be talking to people to get constructive information about the job. Uh, I consistently kind of talk about 
Uh, I would be steering the conversation away from gossip. I would get a reputation for being someone who is not about gossip, who is about business. But if we're in conversation, we're chatting about things that are related to the job, things that are going to help me be able to do my job better, and or I'm getting better information about the work environment that I'm in. So I'm learning more about things that are happening here, maybe things that are going to be happening down the road, uh, just becoming much more informed about where I work and the people that I work with on a daily basis, that that's great. Uh, and no one should be able to fuss at you for saying, well, you're not coming in here and, you know, talking to us about scandal last night. And why aren't you coming in here and, you know, talking to us about, you know, the Olympics and just things that don't have anything to do with it, because that's not what I'm getting paid for unless I've been misinformed. You can ask that, too, as a question form. But that's the sort of thing that I encourage where you talk, you speak to everybody. When you come in, you speak to everybody when you leave uh, and you ask, you talk, you speak up when it's related to the job. But you get a reputation for not being about the gossip and just, you know, talking about what somebody what wardrobe they had this week and that sort of just silliness what the office romance is uh the month that I, I don't participate in any sort of nonsense like that at all uh and i think even some of our other folks have have spoken up if you get some sort of critique about you're not a uh, as they call it team player uh, or any other such monikers like that i would want a specific definition exactly what do you mean when you say i'm not a team player or if they say you're antisocial or however it's phrased ask them to explain what that means uh and what are the qualities what exactly should i be doing and get them to give it to you explicitly and then you can evaluate whether or not you're doing that and if you're not then you'll know the exact things that they want you to do and again as i stated if it's something after hours with that i'm not a team player because i don't go after hours and drink with everybody. Well, I just don't do uh, alcohol. Is this, you know, a part of my duties? Is this something where I'm not going to get positive reviews, workplace evaluations because I'm not willing to consume alcohol after job hours? Is that, you know, what I'm being told? And just get them to explain it to you. If it's as long as it's not that, I would just do what I do on the job. And I think even we've had the conversation with some other folks who dialed in over the years that if it's uh, during work, like sometimes they'll have a we all go to lunch together, that type of thing, that maybe you can plan that out to maybe do one a month. If they do this sort of thing every week or if they do this sort of thing every other week, then maybe you plan it out and you do maybe one a month or maybe you do one every other month. That way that they do see your face. You are there. You don't do any alcohol. But you do at least go out so they can say, well, yeah, he, he has done a few. He doesn't do every one. But, you know, she does come hang out with us every once in a while uh, just so that they can't say that, oh, man, he just us every time or she never hang. They can't say that, uh, if that makes any sense. That's the sort of recommendation that I generally give out to try to ward off if they say that you you're too quiet. Now we're going to attack you because you're not talking at all. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, Gus, I think that is a brilliant um thing you you talked about this before there's a lot of what you're talking about i do another thing i would add to that that has helped me quite a bit is i set the precedent very early about how i function and i've done this um at this job as well where very early where we had to introduce ourselves to each other when i first started in the position and i remember because i, I think i brought this up before the fact that um this was the first job I worked where they actually allowed people to drink on the job. So there's like a fridge with beer and every now and then they'll have like, like hard liquor that they give out um, and whatnot as like little gifts and things. So people drink on this job very regularly. And one thing I did very early is that, you know, I said, I don't drink and 
Um, as, uh, the, the main thing I say is when I get hired to do a job, I'm not hired to be friends with anybody. I said, if I happen to make friends on the job, I look at that as a fringe benefit, but I'm here to do a job, and that's what my focus is going to be. So from day one, they understand this, this, this black male is about his job. He's letting us know. He's not here to be frivolous, having conversations and being buddy-buddy. And I'll tell them, hey, you know, I'm, I'm cordial with everyone. I'm very nice. I'm very respectful to everyone. Black, white, doesn't matter. You're going to get, you know, the same sort of, you know, good morning, good afternoon, whatever the case may be. But I'm about the job. And what I found is that I don't encounter those sorts of scenarios where people are like, oh, well, you're so quiet. Um, they actually understand. And, I, they, and they, I've actually had people say, like, hey, you know, you know, this guy is really about his job and he's very cordial. When, actually, I've, I've actually been told before I'm one of the nicest people on the job. But they also understand he's focused, he keeps to himself, he minds his business, and I set that precedent from day one. So they understand I'm not going to kick it, kick around, you know, nonsense with you. We're not going to be talking about empire. We're not going to be talking about the basketball game. You know, I'm here to do a job. And if we happen to get to a point via working together that we become friendly, then that's just a fringe benefit. That's a little extra gift that I'm getting from this job. But the reality is I'm here to do a job, and that's pretty much it. That precedent is set from day one so that there is no room for them to say, well, you were talkative when you first started on the job, and now you're getting quiet. It's just focus, good morning, good afternoon, at the end of the day, I'm leaving. And at this particular job, they, they always tend to have after hours. Actually, they do all the time. They've never had one on a Friday. It's always been like a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday. It's never been on a Monday, and it's never been on a Friday. And because I live so far, I always get to say I'm not going. And that's what I do every single time they have, oh, you know, I have to wake up to get, wake up early tomorrow morning to get to work. It takes me over two hours to get home. So I'm not going to sit here, you know, drinking with you in the bar until eight o'clock and then get home after 11 to wake up at four to get back in this job at 830 in the morning. It's not happening. So when I leave, I'm out of here. And um, essentially, you know, that's just the way I function. And I let them know from the beginning. And I think that's one thing that might be able to help is if you set that precedent, especially if they have like a, um, like, I guess, like introductory meetings where you can kind of introduce yourself to the group and kind of tell things about yourself. Those are the things I tell about myself right then and there so that they understand if that meeting happens the very first week on the job, somewhere in that first week, I'm going to say those words so that everybody's there, supervisors, other coworkers, they understand this guy's about his job, you know, and that's pretty much it. And he's cordial, he's friendly, but he's about his job. So I think that might help. Um, and hopefully other people have other good ideas they can chime in with to help uh, the, the black male caller. Thank you. Kind of run. Yes, ma'am. That was excellent advice, Ross. It really, really was, Ross. It really great advice. Um, to like put that out there from the beginning, that is uh, in a in a in a way that they will understand, that won't put them off. You know what I mean? That's a really good idea. But um, something that Gus mentioned like years ago when I first started listening to the cows was under the area of religion. I noticed in the workplace that people who classify themselves as Hasidic Jews, as Sikh Indians, as Muslims, you know they actively are um, in their religion and they, they often wear the um, clothing or uh, things that are uh, part of that religion outwardly, 
No one comes up to them and gossips and stuff. I noticed that. You know, it seems as if um, they've been t- they're, they're being taken a bit more seriously. So something that Gus suggested years ago, like I said, was that to tell people that you're a Jehovah's Witness and you don't celebrate anything. I can't wait to use that one on my next plantation. <laughs> I think that that would work great. I mean, what if you're, once you're serious, number one, and they see that you're not running around gossiping, on top of the fact that you tell them that you're a Jehovah's Witness and you don't celebrate anything, they look at you in a whole other light. You know, that's kind of like, uh, like a, you know, something that they don't want to be bothered with or penetrate. So I think that if we could use that area, to, you know, because white people lie to us all the time. You know, the whole thing is a lie. The world is a lie. So I think that that's a good thing to use, that, you know, that you're a Jehovah's Witness. And, you know, not to manipulate or... Uh, the, the situation or to insult or belittle anybody who is a Jehovah's Witness, but they don't celebrate anything. So, so if that's going to keep white people away from you, why not use it? That's all I had on my line. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We'll get caller in Florida, and then we'll get Thomas in New York, and then our caller in Ohio as well. Um, yes, thank you, sir. Uh, I just wanted to say about I remember a couple of years ago about how some of the white people on the job would try to get me to go to lunch with them. And the uh, the responses I would come up with is that I was trying to save money so I would bring food from the house, and they seemed to be very receptive to that. And another thing I would say is, well, you know, I noticed that uh, the supervisor, he got real upset and he got on your case when y'all got back lunch. Y'all, when y'all got back from lunch the last couple of times, so, hey, you know, I don't want to be late. And even one time she even said that, oh, you don't, you don't want to go with us because I'm, because I'm white. So, you know, I started laughing at the person. So she started laughing too. So I guess she thought I was going to get angry. But she ended up saying that she understood what I meant. So she never really, they never really bothered me about it anymore. So that's, that's all, uh, pretty much uh advice that i have right now i dig that one i'm i'm broke i haven't I'm, I'm on hard luck i can't afford to go out i have to bring i i, I can only do peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> and that might permanently uh stop them from asking i just can't afford it i have to uh you know just bring bring my little sandwich or whatever from home and, and eat here at my desk uh and and also uh i pitched it just so that you can avoid if they try to, you know, question you or if, if uh, there is someone on your job who is like a current practicing Jehovah's Witness. I've said that you could give it to him this way as well. I was raised Jehovah's Witness, so I don't practice anything. I'm not practicing now, but that laid the foundation because that's the way that I was brought up, not celebrating anything. I just continue that even though I'm not a current practicing jehovah's witness that way it will stop anybody from intruding uh oh you're doing this and blah 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 and asking any questions because i'm not practicing now but it did lay the foundation for me not participating in any of that stuff uh currently any of the holidays anything like that i've encouraged people to use that as well to stop them from you know ask you to engage in a lot of silliness uh thomas in new york and then our caller in ohio um yes sir great um yeah great advice um, first, I want to say what the lady caller said was, um, you know, they don't mess with the Muslims and they don't mess with the Indians or the, or the um, 
or the Jews who are in their proper person. But we come in uh, pretty Western, right? And um, that gives them the ability to inform us. And I remember there was a guy um, who used to have a lot of program who doesn't come on, hasn't come on in years, but his name was um, Asir Lucatiers. And uh, he was into the mortgage thing. But his thing was, you know, we should be dressing like this every day because they would treat us a lot differently when you're in the proper, you know, you're, it's just a different way they look at you when you're in your proper place uh, or in, in, in something other than what's theirs, you know. Um, as far as, uh, and I know this probably didn't codify, it probably wasn't. Um, what I used to do to get out of things back before I was codified, and if it was, you know, people was just going places and I didn't want to go or um, I didn't probably didn't like someone, so I didn't go. And one of the things that I would do was um, tell white people something very um, niggerish, meaning like, you know, I can't go, you know, my, my friend got shot. You know, they, they never question that type of stuff. Like when the guy say, y'all, we'll be trying to save money. See, that's a black, you know, you know, they don't question how they do that. They're trying to save some money. Like, that type of thing they don't question. Um, that's only if you feel like you're obligated to give them an answer. And uh, in a lot of workplace situations, they do make you feel obligated to give them answers. Um, but if you do have to go, um, it's best to go very codified. If you do drink, don't drink. Um, maybe say, um, you know, have a good excuse not to drink. You know, oh, you know, uh, I was drinking last night. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going somewhere afterwards. Or I got to drive. You know, something. But um. If you do have to go, because I've had a job where I was forced to go to these things because that's a clinic, and, um, yeah, I would advise you not to drink, um, and I'm in my life. Ashe. Uh, caller in Ohio, did you have commentary you wanted to share? Hello. Um... Sorry about that. It seems like as soon as you click me in, the perfect storm in my house happens. So, you know, everybody converts. So I'm sorry about all that. But anyway, just want to say hello to you, Gus, the host, and to all the callers and listeners. I, I just think that um, I, I know it's hard because, like, you know, the gentleman said, you know, you come to work, you sit down, you're there to do a job. You know, you go and, you know, do your job and you go home and you just don't want to revival with all that stuff. But it's just so sad because, you know, today it's almost like in anything, if you decide not to, how do I say this, be a part or take part of it, you know, for white people that brings about nervousness. Um, just the kind of thing I know, like Alicia Keys is doing this no makeup thing. And I was reading an article today where you have people coming at her because she decides she doesn't want to wear makeup. So if we, we do something that, you know, you know, like I said, I just couldn't wait to my job or go home. You know, they are, I mean, that that just, it, 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 it makes them nervous. It, somewhere in them it sets something off of them. Because also, too, you know, it's almost like we're the play things and that, you know, just our history in this country, you know, because there was a time in this country, you know, they could tell us to do anything, and we had to do it. It was just no questions asked, or, you know, you got to, no questions asked, or you got a beating, or you could have gotten killed, or beating and killed. And um, so um, I think, you know, that's a big part of it. And I think what Ross was saying about how, um, because they they don't, they don't know us, and, and he's right when, you know, he says they are ignorant 
they don't know. They are the dummies of the world. And so they, 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 they want to be around us because really we make them human. And so they study us. And then that's how then they go present themselves, you know, like they, they know everything. Or what happened, like he was saying at his previous job, that he, you had black people or non-white, non-black people who had, you know, possible ideas that could help this com- company save money, and yet they forsook all that. Now the company is in bad shape financially. So I just think that we have to, you know, keep that in mind that some of what this is. I just think that you have to figure out what works for you. I, I, I worked at a company. And matter of fact, I worked, it was a law firm that dealt with real estate things, and, and they drank too, and they drank. And I'm not a drinker. So they would go out and stuff like that. And, and the only thing, the only reason why I would go, because there was, there was a young black girl that, that I worked with, and we, we, we you know, hit it off pretty good. She liked to drink. She could laugh and talk with them. So, you know, I, I would go with with them. I may would have, like, a photo or something and maybe stay for, like, 45 minutes, and then I was out. And then I had made up my mind, too. I only would go when I wanted to go. And I think that's the thing. Sometimes it, it has to be, you know, I mean, I don't say it has to be, but if they're doing something, sometimes you may have to decide just when you want to go, I'm going to go this one time, you know, just to kind of like show my face and, um, you know, maybe set a period of time, you know, how long are you going to be there and go. I, I had a good friend who had some cousins, and they were like in corporate America, and her cousin's name was Elaine, and so Elaine, I remember one time we was around, and she was even telling the story, she said they would have to go to these functions just because of the work that they did, and you know, this this story, this has been over like 20 years, so, you know, they making 80 and 90,000 back then, you know, there's a lot more money, not that I was not having it today, but you know, there's a lot of money back then. And so she said they would have those functions like Christmas parties and, you know, uh, uh, what a retirement party and stuff. And she, she said she and her husband, and she said she was just determined. You know, she knows she had to work in this, but she said they were just not going to take all her time. So she said they would go, go to these functions. And she said that maybe they would be there like a half an hour and then they would arrange. And this was back before cell phones. So, like, somebody in the family to call, and, you know, you have the party. It's like, oh, we got a call here from Mr. Gus. You know, there's a phone call. You can take the call over there. And then she would go answer the phone, and then she would come back, and she would say, oh, I'm just sorry. There's something going on at home. I got to go. And she said they would plan that. They, she, she and her husband, they would plan that. She said because their thing was they were not going there. They were not going to be there all night long. You know, it's part of it was like, you know, I have to work with these people. I can't stay in some of them. And so... You know, that that was their plan. So I I'm just throwing out, you know, sometimes you might have to find yourself going to these going to these things and you might have to find a family member or a friend or somebody to call you on your cell phone that hey, you know, you, you need to come home, um, you know, uh something's going on. And you know, you got to have an explanation because you know when you go back to work the next day somebody's gonna to wanna to ask you, Well what happened? you know. But I just think that, that you have to to figure out for yourself how you're going to do it. If you just decide you're not going to do it, <laughs> then just don't do it, you know. Um, and then uh, you also, do, too, have to factor in there may be some backlash. You see what I'm saying? But, I, you know, I just want to take because those are just some of the things, like I say, the one with my friend's cousin, and I know how myself, you know, just so happened, though, I, it was a black girl in the department I work with. 
and young black young black lady. And uh, we got along really good. And you know, she got to go. So when I would go, you know, I would be there with her. And like I say, thirty minutes, forty five minutes, and then I was up and I was out. And I went to these things when I felt like going to them because I'm I'm like that too. You know, I, I want to come to work, do my job, and then I want to go home. I'm not all for the socializing and stuff like that because we know how these people are. But I just think that I just say um, there. Hopefully, there's maybe some solutions that maybe to help help the young man. Uh, you know, we just have to figure it out. You know, for ourselves. And I'll meet my line. Thank you. For sure, for sure. Definitely, I have encouraged that consistently, particularly uh, the holiday season uh, is rapidly approaching where you have all the end of the year parties and Christmas celebrations and Thanksgiving and all that other goofiness. Um, If you have to participate, because we have heard from listeners before, where there can be retaliation if you don't go to some of these parties even if they're after hours events there can be retaliation if you don't go you already have a code for that and some of our listeners have shared how they codified that uh i'm gonna if i go i'm gonna go with my partner or if you have a husband a wife whatever it is uh we're gonna go together uh because sometimes they really cut a fool uh because there's alcohol and people want to make all sorts of uh, tacky sexual advances and what have you or commentary so I'm going to go I'm going to have my partner present uh, we're going to have a set amount of time that we're going to be there 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it is and then we're going to leave and we already have that planned out how we're going to exit, we're seen we make our appearance and then we exit promptly so you have a code if you even want to do that and some people say I'm not doing that either and whatever consequences come, fine I'll deal with that as well but uh, figuring out codific- how you are going to codify for yourself, your individual situation and what's going to work best uh, for you, uh, extremely important uh, how we proceed on the job. Uh, did other, if folks, uh, if you certainly, if you had your own experience you wanted to share, uh, if you wanted to comment on anything you've heard thus far, feel free. Uh, certainly, if folks have suggestions for how you deal, if you are in a majority non-white, majority black work environment, and your problem is dealing with trying to neutralize uh, just being in a non-constructive environment with predominantly black people, if folks have other ideas or suggestions on the best way to deal with that, if there's a lot of name calling or people are just engaged in a lot of discourteous behavior, uh, that would be good as well. Please do not wait till the last minute. If you have commentary you would like to share, feel free. Folks are, if folks are satisfied, that is fine as well. Again, I will say that is a little suspicious because we do have a significant number of folks uh, who are listening, certainly a significant number of people who dialed in via phone line. Uh, most of the people who dialed in did not participate. So we have a lot of uh, spectators. Uh, I will again encourage if we have that many people who are doing great, all of this sounds foreign to you. Whites are not giving you any trouble, and or if you work in a predominantly non-white environment, they're not giving you any problems either. Well, then, hoorah, you should certainly uh, have codified exactly how you pulled that off. 
written details of what you're doing and or saying to have such a wonderful work experience. And you should certainly be at the top of the list for people to invest in the cows. Uh, racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com. Racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com. PayPal is in the top right corner. If you're not into PayPal, drop us an email. We will get you a physical mailing address but that is spectacular and i'm so happy for uh folks that are listening if you are not having any troubles uh on the job i hope that continues and you have a long prosperous work career although i'm a tad dubious that that is the case but uh folks are everyone content nothing else folks want to make sure they get in workplace racism yes sir conflict like I would do things uh, like open doors for uh, other black people or just really put emphasis on that uh, yes sir yes ma'am be complimentary things like that and I think or from what I've analyzed and our behavior is uh, black people and even uh, other non-white people is they tend to I guess kind of catch on if they get a good sense of that being my reputation if I do it, you know, over and over enough. So I think, well, they'll either end up not really saying anything other than, you know, good morning or greetings or something like that. And they won't really get into no kind of a non-constructive conversation like, oh, well, you know, you're drinking your water today. Or, you know, or did you do any exercise? And it'll, it'll sum down to that or something about, you know, uh, gardening or something, you know, not really getting into any kind of gossip, even though that uh, what Mr. Fuller mentions about the, uh, the poison and stuff, you know, that is there, that is uh, within me. So I definitely try to stay um, being polite and courteous, and that tends to work for me. But my uh, working environment is a large, a largely uh, white environment, so I guess it may be a little different, but that's what I tend to do when it comes to interacting with uh, other black people. And I even noticed that um, other white people, they'll either, you know, they'll try to, I guess, be nice, or they'll catch on to like, hey, you know, he's being nice to uh, these other black people, you know. He's not supposed to be doing that, like basically what you touched on earlier. And um, it's, it's something very powerful about that because, like I shared before, I've heard some, like, the white guy, he would uh, bring up that term, prejudice, and he says, oh, you open that door for uh, for her, and, you know, him and this other white person was changing the snacks in the machine, and he was like, he brought up that word, oh, well, uh, it seems like that could be a prejudice or something, or discriminative or something, and then I just put it, <laughs> I pretty much, like, started talking about snack food. I'm like, well, you know, that's pretty much like saying, well, hey, you know, I'd rather eat Cheetos than uh, Cheetos or something. And, you know, he was just, that was just him trying to pretty much uh, get me upset. But I, I wanted to also uh, point out about the, the female that was relocated. Like, she had her own office, like what you said, like how they have, like, a window and, a, like, a, a nice personal space. Like, they put another black female in her old office this black female used to be a supervisor a couple of years ago and the the black female that got fired 
like they put they put this other black female like behind the empty desk and the new supervisor like she she has her own personal office they sat her in front of that office so like my mom predicted that they did that so that she can train the white person you know in that empty desk like you know very insidious uh racism operating there and you know she's saying that uh she she's looking for another job because they could be possibly conspiring to terminate her as well because she kept saying that there's only two blacks in the department. So they found a way to get rid of this other um, black female, I guess by making sure she get upset enough, you know, so they wait till the other people leave so she won't, you know, I guess uh, confront anybody. So they had that well orchestrated, like I'm thinking months ahead of time. So this is it's very interesting because she also mentioned that she went and told and warned this other black female that they coincidentally, well, I won't say coincidentally, but um, in that same time, they gave her a promotion as, a, I guess, an assistant supervisor. And she warned her by saying, hey, you know, they, they possibly could be trying to set you up. This could be a possible smoke screen. And another non-white person, she's retiring this week. She told them that, hey, I don't want any, <laughs> I don't, I don't want any, uh, any kind of, you know, parties or any kind of retirement, anything. I just want, you know, my last day, I'm leaving here and y'all can have this job. I want nothing from y'all. And they still brought over a, a phony card and some flowers, so she saw right through them. And uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that was another non-white person that left the job in in the same week. So yeah, that's that's all I have for now. Thank you. Standard operating procedure: get the black person to train the their white replacement who probably doesn't have the expertise or qualifications to take the job but i think that's happened to quite a few folks uh to uh quite a few folks who have participated in the program unfortunately have uh experienced that but uh yeah the moving around desk office furniture situation or where you work at i've heard that observed that consistently unfortunately uh and that can even involve moving you to a whole nother location not just uh, an office situation. Um, also, I, I wanted to toss in as well with the sexual component. If you're being harangued, harassed, uh, if it's a white male, white female, whomever on the job, if there's some sort of sexual harassment that's going on, I think we were talking about that last week. One of the things that I did uh, process, I think people were saying that if you bring this up, if you bring it up in a meeting, or if you go talk to manager or supervisors of someone and you you know say hey this is this is happening this is incorrect uh i don't appreciate this uh that they could retaliate that could happen like anyway like you don't have to do anything at all uh even if it is a white person male or female and they're doing this and you are not receptive if you make it seem as though you are not enjoying this that this is something 
uh, that you are not agreeable to, that alone could be grounds for them retaliating and saying, well, I'm going to go and, you know, if I go and just lie and say that they were harassing me or, you know, just make up anything, that that sort of thing happens on a regular basis anyway. So um, that was, you know, I did think that that was significant, uh, that it doesn't necessarily have to be that you go and report a white person for wrongdoing, uh, that that is not grounds per se to motivate a white person to go and make up lie and make some sort of accusation against you that they do that sort of racist rec- uh, recrimination anyway, even if you don't say anything, you, if you just try and keep your mouth closed and ignore it just on the basis of you're not acting like you're not all oh, just, Oh, this is wonderful. This white person is flirting with me or this white person is sexually harassing me on the job. Um, Anything else? Folks wanted to uh, make sure that they get in. I didn't hear anything about policy and procedure. I would, again, just encourage policy and procedure. Uh, Make sure that you go through it. Uh, Try to check things out if anything stands out and ask questions. Uh, Also, I was going to ask about training. I think that might be something that works as well. That was something I wish I had uh, brought up uh, last week. Um, The sexual harassment, it can apply to anything, but particularly with sexual harassment, When that gets brought up, like if you take the suggestion that was brought out last week in terms of bringing it up in a meeting or if you just do it privately, if you go talk to your supervisor, manager, human resources, what have you, uh, in terms of how do we deal with such and such, what's the policy and procedure uh, for this particular company, how sexual harassment or any unwanted uh, sexual commentary, uh, sexual contact, how is that dealt with, what are the policies, what are the regulations for how that is supposed to be handled here? You, I would say it could also work to request training if you bring that up uh, to say that since, and as, as I stated last week, and as, as I've stated before, that you're not going in with an accusation uh, against anyone. You just want to know what the rules and regulations are for how that's supposed to be dealt with. You can also add to that, perhaps we need additional training on this. It might be that people that work here are not informed about what is acceptable conduct on the job and or what is supposed to be done if this sort of thing happens could we have maybe you know a refresher training on sexual harassment in the workplace and particularly anybody if you work in any sort of government job if you're a state employee if you're an official city job anything like that and even a lot of private uh, companies they have training i know that's been my experience when i was uh, when i worked for a state official and i've worked private sector as well, uh, that they have training. That's a part of your training. When you start the job, they will include sexual harassment, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Sometimes they'll have a whole course that'll last, you know, an hour, two hours. Sometimes they'll take up the whole day uh, just on, you know, sexual harassment, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what you can do, what you can't do, what's supposed to happen, blah, blah, blah. What's the procedure? Uh, You need to report something. Maybe we need to have a refresher just to make sure that everybody uh, is clear about what is acceptable, what is not acceptable on the job. I would suggest that as well. I know Mr. Williams, he talks about training all the time. You individually, how you're trained on the job, because a lot of times that's how racism is practiced, where black people are not giving adequate training so that we can succeed and do our jobs well. Uh, this can be a training thing as well that, hey, maybe we need to have make sure everybody knows what the policy is. And that can also discourage people from engaging in that sort of behavior, particularly, I would say, if you make that request for training on sexual harassment, if you make that publicly uh, and with the person who was doing the sexual harassing of you, maybe we need additional training just to make sure that everybody understands what is expected of them in this environment and what is acceptable, what is not 
acceptable workplace behavior that might also discourage that person from you know engaging in those sort of behaviors if that makes sense if i'm talking crazy you can certainly let me know on that one as well I don't have a policy anymore. Okay. Okay. Um, this one is in regards. It's not um, workplace, but it's my my child's school, and um, they have a policy that you receive the email saying that the kids are supposed to get out at five o'clock. Um, at, at, I guess four thirty, and if they have to serve the detention. It would get out at five o'clock. And the teacher can only be served for kids that miss school. So um, one day last week, my son got in trouble, and um, he was held for the teacher until five thirty. And then at five thirty, the the dean of discipline he called the house to explain, you know, have this long conversation. I wasn't home; I was at work, but my wife was. And my wife was very angry because she felt like, listen, you know, I have, you know, my children out and it's late. And uh, the later, you know, this, I would start for them to just let go at the time they're supposed to. And we don't know, you know, the new policy is going forward. This is how it's going to work. So I pulled off the email that we got from the lady that runs everything, which has the policy. And we had a meeting this week where he was stating the new policy. But we didn't hand out nothing in writing. The only thing in writing I have is for the lady who owns the school and has one thing to do. So uh, I was going to call and ask for a copy of the policy from the head office. They call the school that my kids go to and tell him I would like it in writing, a new policy. And then I was going to call the head office and say, hey, um, you know, this might be an act of subversion. I think, um, I think Ross said would be a good way to, to word it. Um, and, um, um, you know, that, you know, this school is doing something different than the rest of the schools that you have in your network. In this charter school network, it's about 30, 40 schools. I mean, it's huge. Um, and I just wanted to know if you thought that would be the best way to handle that. Have you heard? Oh, I was muted. <laughs> I was muted. Yes, ma'am, okay. we can hear you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right. I just want to get it right. I don't have a policy thing, but I definitely, uh, what you said about training, because, you know, sometimes that could be, you know, what it is. But, you know, my, I guess my stickler is the, because uh, I guess I had a friend, I have a friend that works for, like, CC Stores, and he's like a district manager or something like that. He's kind of high up there. And I remember he always said, you know, make sure you read and know your um, handbook. And I just can't express that enough because sometimes we are running into behaviors, you know, in the workplace. And it is good, like you say, because sometimes to be able to to lay down, you know, people do something and you can lay down and even go to HR. Cause, you know, a lot of times we know when we're on these jobs and you're trying to do things and, and, and these people are, are fighting against you and, and – and, you know, just doing, like, you know, what they want to do. And then when you lay down their policy, I mean, when, 
I'm not crazy. They can break their own policy, you know, um, but um, still just to be able to say, okay, well, the handbook is this, or I don't see this in the handbook, you know, and to be able to put that on them, to see that, that will stop them, at least it will make them hesitate. So I just can't um, reiterate enough to uh, read and know your handbook, you know, so that when they come up with stuff, you know, that you have something, you may have their words to fight, use their words and their, uh, what is it, their words, their objectives, whatever else, their policies, whatever else is in that book that you can use that against them when, you know, you are having problems in the workplace. And, and let me just stress this and then I'll mute myself. And I would suggest that we do it as much as we can now because uh, we know Monday is Labor Day and we know after Labor Day this, this presidential election stuff is going to kick up into high gear because they only have something like 60 days after that because, you know, it's coming time to vote. And, you know, uh, two months from now, we're going to have a new president. It could be President Trump. It could be President Clinton again. And, and you know, I'm not too pleased with either one of them. And we already see um, or we we already see the stories in the news. Um, I think even just this week so far, and I'm, I'm not going to give it to you because I know this is a lot of compensatory call, but it fits in what I'm saying. Just this week so far, I think at least five black people have just basically been executed by white people. Yeah, the woman in Cleveland shot. Uh, uh, I read somewhere in Nevada, some man was shot to death because he wouldn't hold the door open for some baby. Some guy was mowed down with a jeep. Black and white guy, and um, I think what is it, uh, Wade's cousin, and the singer Janelle Monae, she has a cousin that was just killed, you know, and I mean, I know those two may not be like black, white, but still, just the environment we're in, so I was just that we get to, you know, know this stuff, know the policy, know what the handbook says, because um, it's going to be rough in vote, um, votes, but I, I just feel that if Trump becomes the president, we'll really begin to see a lot of stuff begin to get act out. So I can't reiterate enough about knowing your handbook and the policies and procedures that your company use. And I'll mute myself. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Just to, I was responding to uh, Thomas in New York's question, and I was muted, but I certainly echo the importance of knowing uh, policy and procedure. Uh, I encourage that regularly, and like I said, you don't have to read the whole thing at once. You can divide it up into sections, and in my view, it would be best to do it before things become a problem. But with Thomas in New York, if I heard the situation correctly, uh, his child was reprimanded at school. They took some sort of punitive action. Uh, They made the child stay late after school. Uh, His wife, the child's mother, was not pleased about this, rightfully so. Uh, Thomas in New York investigated uh, what is the policy and procedure uh, about dealing with this situation. Uh, He was going to ask in writing. Uh, It seemed like what they did in this instant with uh, his son seemed like it might have been a deviation from policy and procedure, and he was going to pursue it, uh, and I think specifically using the language of uh, this might be uh, subversive activity uh, if policy and procedure uh, was violated, if you all did something that differs from what's in your manual about how these sort of things are supposed to happen uh, in the school. Uh, If that's what I heard correctly, uh, in my view, that would be great. That would be a correct way uh, of pursuing the situation uh, because, again, just it's been my experience, that's one of the ways that racism, white supremacy is practiced most regularly uh, in whites' violence. I think 
a caller in Ohio just said that that's one of the ways that they practice racism most regularly uh, in violating their own policy with regards to how they treat black people, uh, particularly in the workplace. But this is all areas of people activity where they're not even doing what they have stated themselves that they're supposed to do in how they handle these type of situations. So I would request the policy, uh, look it over. If they can get you an electronic uh, uh, they can get you an electronic copy, uh, if they have a hard copy, whatever it is, what is the policy, and then evaluate it according to what they did, and then you can just sit down. You can even ask, what is your policy with dealing with these sort of infractions, whatever they accused your child of doing, and then did you follow the policy? Yes or no. If they didn't, well, then to me this sounds like subversive activity if you're not even abiding by your own policy, if I'm understanding things correctly, and have them explain it to you. Sounds very good. Very right. Mine on. Mine on. Uh, if oh. oh, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt somebody? Oh, I was. I was just about to say something. I just remembered something. Um, the one of the owners of my company. There's three of them. He's actually one of the richest uh, real estate moguls in New York City. He comes from a long line of family members, uh, I think it's his grandfather and now then his father and him, himself and I think his brother, I think he might have one or two brothers that own quite a few buildings in Manhattan. And um, I recently read an article, this was maybe about two weeks ago, I meant to bring this up, where they discussed a riff in the family because their family are staunch, staunch Donald Trump supporters. Um, from what I understand, his brother and his father have contributed quite a bit of money to Donald Trump's campaign. They're buddy, buddy, buddy on a very deep level. And the one who owns uh, the company that I work for does not like Donald Trump. So there seems to be a family rift. Um, and in the article, they discuss the fact that the, the owner of the company I work for uh, is basically um, at odds with his relatives in regards to politics due to the fact that, of course, they're, um, you know, Trump supporters, and obviously he's trying to look like he's not a Trump supporter. And I'm assuming due to the fact that um, that uh, he has a lot of non-white people on the job, and like I said, they refine their white supremacy on the job. They really don't talk about current events. It's very, very rare that they do. And if they do, it's usually in hushed tones and in small groups. So there's never been like a company-wide conversation except, of course, to, um, <clears throat> to help uh, – anti-sexual people deal with the shooting in Orlando. Outside of that, um, that's the, the only time I heard any sort of company-wide discussion um, about uh, a current event in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because you made me think about that. So, yeah, I, I work for someone who's literally, like, best, best buds, his family, with Donald Trump. So I just thought that that was something I would share as well. Thank you. Mm. That is for sure going to be something to codify for the rest of the year, pretty much, uh, in terms of how how you want to respond. Anything that's popping up, I've been mentioning this since the summertime, really, how you want to respond, because the political thing is sure going to be popping up on the job. Who are you voting for? What do you think when they get around to the debates and all that stuff later on? So just already have that in mind. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the big things about work. That's why I encourage reading the policy and procedures so that you're not surprised so many times when you. Uh, read about these incidents in the newspaper or if you see it in the news where there's been an incident of racism, white supremacy on the job, the, one of the first things that you'll hear from the victim is, I can't believe this. I'm surprised. I'm stunned. 
And a big part of counter-racism is to really get out of that so that we are not surprised, we're not stunned, we're not caught off guard. I was expecting this sort of thing. I was prepared, even better, I was prepared for this sort of thing to happen in terms of what I was going to say, what I was going to do, how I was going to react, respond in this sort of situation. So definitely go over the policy and procedure and just have that in mind in terms of anything that pops up with the election. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm not going to say. If you already know that there's certain things that you're not going to touch on or address, already have that in mind. And again, like I advised uh, with some of the school situations, you can do some role play uh, at home, if you you know are married or if you have family members or whatever the case is, you have a partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, you can just kind of uh, practice some of this on your own. Uh, all right, you you know throw out some questions. What do you think about Trump? What do you think about Clinton? Uh, who are you going to vote for? Blah blah blah. So you already have those responses, and they'll be comfortable. It won't be something where you're caught off guard or you're fishing. Uh, you will already know this is I was expecting this to come up and this is how I'm going to respond. And I think Thomas has been given a lot of illustrations. If you have whites on the job and they're making it clear I'm down with Donald Trump. That's my dude. Put that wall up. Keep these Muslims out. Blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Fascinating. How you're going to respond to that. If you say anything at all, if you want to take the question route or if you just want to give. Hmm. The codified non-response, if you want to use that as well, have all that stuff planned out and you can already give some rehearsal runs so it'll be comfortable, natural, and you'll just be uh, keep things rolling on the job as easy as you can. Uh, Anything else folks want to make sure they get in before we wrap up? Folks satisfied? I think that the white like, talk to me about Trump because, you know, I, I don't really push that. You know, I, I'm a staunch Trump supporter. I can't wait. So, um, I, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> oh, with me. <laughs> Whatever he says, you know. Like, hey, yeah, didn't say that. Wow. Interesting. Sounds like a pretty good idea. You know, I just can't, you know, I, I think it's going to, what the lady caller just said, if she gets in, they're all going to feel like they're entitled to talk just like him. And that's when that policy can come into play big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be looking at that in advance, uh, the policy and procedure. And again, like I said, feel free to share. That's something I encourage as well. If you go through and you read it, anything stands out with the wording, if it's ambiguously worded, if it's not uh, something that you don't readily understand, because that's something that you can ask questions about to have someone explain it to you so that it's clear and makes sense to you. Uh, If you see that it's not being enforced, that's definitely one that you want to highlight uh, in advance. If you see where this Uh, particular regulation is being flouted regularly uh, where people are are violating this and nobody says anything nobody's being uh, written up about this nobody's raising this as an issue that hey this is you know our policy and procedure and people are regularly not following this let's you know get that straight so that people are going by what we uh, what our guidelines are make note of that sort of thing that can be uh, of help to you in the workplace Uh, anything else folks want to get in or folks satisfied for the session I will assume folks are satisfied. Uh, I will again say, uh, even if you are not able to dial in, uh, you can feel free to drop us an email and we uh, will read the response during the broadcast. Uh, Again, this is not a spectator broadcast. This is not one of the programs where you should be 
Yes, I'm waiting for Thursday so that I can hear what they talk about. That'll be fun. That'll be grand. This is really one of those who we want to be sharing. And again, even if it is you reflecting on your work experience, things that have happened to you previously, maybe when you were a bit less, con- or excuse me, a bit more confused about racism before you heard about any of this content or counter-racist concepts, uh, where you can think back and recall a situation, wow, this situation happened. This is what I did at that time. Knowing what I do now, I would respond in a completely different way this is what i would do now based on my understanding of racism i think that that really really important and that's something that even uh, i try to do myself uh, in reflecting on things that have happened uh, in my work experience things that i would have done differently or said differently uh knowing what i know now uh, about racism white supremacy i think even as i shared a few weeks ago just not participating in goofiness uh things that are not related to uh what your job is That right there can do a lot to cut down on unnecessary problems, conflict in the workplace, just avoiding things that don't have anything to do with your job. That's not why I'm here. Let's just stick to what I am getting paid to do, what I signed up to do uh, with my workplace duties. Uh, With that, we should be here tomorrow. Uh, This will be our second to last installment, Blood Brothers, Uh, Johnny Smith, Randy Roberts, Blood Brothers, The Fatal Friendship Between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. We are almost at the end of the book. Uh, Looking forward to uh, getting our concluding thoughts, synopsis of what we uh, have got from these racist suspects uh, who are writing about these uh, really legendary figures with regards to uh, black people who try to do something about racism, white supremacy. Uh, In that vein, since we'll finish the book, not tomorrow, but next Friday, uh, I think the next book we're going to do is uh, The Spook Who Sat By The Door, just because that's speaking of legendary. Uh, Sam Greenlee, uh, just really, really important novel. Uh, he passed away in 2014. I do think we have some listeners who have not read that book. At least I've talked to folks who said that they haven't read the book. I know a lot more people have seen the film uh, that the book is based on. So I think that'll be our next book. I'm not aware of there being an audio book uh, of The Spook Who Sat By The Door. So if anybody wants to read it, I think that's one that I would like one narrator to do the whole thing um, just so that we can have a consistent flow and get accustomed to having one uh, voice doing the whole thing. Uh, If we have anybody that would like to read that, great. Drop us an email untiljustice at gmail.com. If not, uh, I would be I haven't read anything this year, so I would be down to uh, read that uh, if we don't have any uh, volunteers to read Spook Who Sat By The Door. It's not too, too long. It's about 250 pages approximately, give or take 10. Uh, so it's not too, too long. The only challenging thing is that uh, it does have a lot of dialogue between characters. So you might have to do a little bit of, you know, voice inflections uh, to reflect the different speakers. Uh, in the book, uh, but it is a pretty fun book, and we haven't done any fiction. I do try to make sure we get it uh, at least one bit of fiction in every now and then, and summer is almost over. I try to get at least one bit of fiction in during the summertime, so right uh, at the end of summer, we'll get in our bit of fiction, and then we'll pick up something more serious, nonfiction, once we're done with this. But let us know if anybody wants to narrate Spook Who Sat By The Door. Uh, this is obviously a male author, Mr. Greenlee, but If we had a black female that wanted to read, uh, I would be down. That would not bother me uh, about the book. I don't I don't see why that would be uh, a problem. I do try to keep it matched. Uh, If it's a female author, have a female narrator and that sort of thing. But that's not always the case. I don't think that would be uh, a big to do uh, for this work. Uh, Anywho, if you have problems, uh, if you can't find something in the archives, guest suggestion, gripes, complaints, drop an email until justice at Gmail dot com until justice at gmail.com.
Thank you kindly for the folks who participated. Uh, hopefully we will have fewer spectators, more participants. Uh, we get ready to do it again next Thursday for Workplace Racism. I will again encourage, and this certainly uh, is for the job, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. I have seen no evidence uh, where us being intoxicated under any narcotics, alcohol, whatever it is, I've seen no evidence where that has helped us to solve this problem. None at all. If anything, I've seen too many illustrations where this has just made things way worse. Certainly, if you're going to be in a vehicle, driver, passenger, even as a pedestrian, you do not want to be inebriated and have that be the day that you bump into Daniel Holtzclaw, Darren Wilson, race soldier, badge or no. That can be a life altering life ending situation quickly and I mean like within seconds you being under the influence of anything is not going to make that situation go any better at all that's it creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest level of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim Your brother problem. you're a victim I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.